Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Sybil. And you're listening to Every Rom-Com, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedies seriously. Today on Every Rom-Com, we'll begin our horror rom-com series with a look at a slasher movie with a side of romance. We'll discuss Blumhouse Productions, a fantastic cast of up-and-coming actors, and what makes a feminist horror movie. And we'll talk about our favorite time loop movies as we take on the 2017 time loop horror movie, Happy Death Day. Welcome back again, Sybil. Hey, it's good to be back. I'm really excited to be talking about this today. Um, I I thoroughly enjoyed this. You told me that I would and I did. Nice. I'm glad that I can at least sometimes predict what my friends will enjoy watching. So (laughs) that's good. And I'm really excited too, because this is the start of the horror rom-com series. And I thought about doing a series of horror rom-coms like pretty much at the outset of doing this podcast. And I've been like looking forward to it ever since. And just really quickly, I'm going to say why that is. Because when I thought about starting a movie podcast, I actually seriously considered starting a horror podcast too. Like I was really torn. My favorite genres are horror, musicals, and rom-coms. And I just like, I ultimately ended up making the decision for two reasons to go with rom-coms. Like one was that, I just, I have anxiety. And so I was like, can I handle watching horror movies just like (laughs) all the time? Like if you watch them too much, it can take a toll on you after a while. I I, I, I bet. I bet. I bet. And then the other reason is just, I looked out at what podcasts were out there and there's already kind of like, there are a lot of other romantic comedy podcasts, but there are far more horror movie podcasts. And I just felt there needed to be more romantic comedy podcasts. I felt I had a specific angle I could bring to them. So that's why I went with it. But you can understand, though, since I love horror so much, that this is like my month right now. I'm really I, excited. Well, and this is this is then the wedding of the two, and you can really yes. get into it. So that's wonderful. Yes. <laughs> and um, do you like horror movies? Like, I don't. I, I think I don't. I absolutely. I hate. I grew up in a haunted house, and I do not do well with horror movies. Um, in fact, I've been watching like haunted TikTok and freaking myself out at night because I'm like, this is all too real. Like, just I didn't when you said haunted TikTok before, I didn't know what that was. So, can you explain just like what that um, is for anybody who's on who's not on TikTok? So, TikTok is you know fifteen seconds of something, and people will post their like haunted bits. They'll film bits of stuff that's happened in their house or their ring their ring cameras or something like that. And I'll be like, oh my god, that's that's like the shit that happened to me when I was growing up, and it's like real stuff where you're just like, I'm sitting in my kitchen and I turn around and all the cabinets opened, but because it's your, it's a ring camera, it sees how they all opened and it's really scary. And it's, you know, it's, it's really, really scary. The one I like to watch most is one who, this guy who actually just trolls the internet to find these videos and then he punks them. He just makes fun of them. So I feel a little bit better when I watch them. Like, I don't, I don't, you must have told me at some point that your house was haunted growing up. And I wish we could do like a whole podcast on that now. But like, <laughs> can you like give an example of like something that happened at your house? Like when you were growing up? Um, so like I had, we I had different ghosts that happened. So like one time I was sitting, like I was sleeping in my bed and I woke up and like, there was like a little girl sitting on my floor oh, and I was like, why is there a little girl sitting on my floor? How'd she get here? And then she turned, she like turned at me and her like face turned all like demonish. And I was like, Oh my God. And then she disappeared. 
And I had another time where I was just, it was like the middle of the day and I came home and I walked into my bedroom, put down my backpack and all of my, like everything in my room was moved. Like absolutely everything was moved. Wow. And I was like, great, this is fantastic. And I lived in a really tiny, tiny room. It used to be like the sewing room when I was growing up. And how long were you in that house? I mean, I lived there pretty much my entire life. I lived there from, you know, childhood to college. Wow. Did I visit that house? Um, mm, yes. Yeah, that was the house. Yeah, that was the house you visited. I guess I'm happily oblivious to ghosts then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, wow. I could do, we could do an entire other like podcast (laughs) about this with my, maybe you and my brother who could tell about the ghosts in our house and stuff and it would be a whole thing. So yeah, no, definitely, definitely some (laughs) creepy, creepy stuff. We had all kinds of weird stuff that happened in the house that I'm just like, uh, and you can, I always tell people, I can tell people who had real hauntings because they don't have like a, and then a demon came out. It was just like, and then I opened up my, you know, home, opened up my home and, you know, I was just like really pissed off and I was just like, can you just shut up and go away? I'm like, that's what happens. You just get really like annoyed and tired of like the crap that's happening. You're just really exhausted by ghosts. So I seriously, I could just fall down a rabbit hole with this, but like, I just also wanted to ask you since we're doing, you know, the horror movie podcast or horror rom-com podcast, like you said, you don't like horror movies in general, but do you have any that you do like that are kind of like favorites or like ones you I, will I really, watch? In general, I really don't, I, I stay away from horror movies, but okay. I watch like kind of like thrillers, I'll, yeah. I'll watch like thrillers. So um, at the end, I'll do a couple that I'm, I'm okay with. And I did like, I did watch this one because it was kind of funnier. And so this, I mean, this is technically a horror but it it didn't scare me as much because it was more funny and like the screen yeah. franchise is okay yeah um, but anything with like demons and ghosts i still stay well away from yeah i mean that's definitely understandable <laughs> <laughs> but i also don't like gore so I, I really don't like gore at all like i'm just like oh why would i watch that that's disgusting yeah um, you know but it depends on what you you put into the horror category I, so, I think it's a, I think it's even more expansive than like maybe what I've put into the rom com category so far. There's just so many like everything from like Jaws, which is like big improbable animal yeah. activity, to like um, serious stuff. Like I'm trying to think where of a good example. Put, where would you put like copycat? Oh, uh, thriller horror. Yeah, yeah see, that's, it's both. It's me, on that's, the line. Yeah, yeah, see, that's still like for me. That's like still like I get scared at that. So if I if I'm scared, I'm like I consider that somewhat horror. Yeah, like, it's played for horror. horror. Is where I'll, I'll I'll sit. I'll sit in that land. Yeah, horror yeah. horror. But anything what's like horror horror, I'm like no, I can't. I can't manage that life. Yeah, I was trying to think of a list of my favorites last night with Lee and I was just like flummoxed because like I kept coming up with more. But I would say like reliably some of the ones I've loved over time, like The Shining, like is still a favorite of mine. And I loved the recent Suspiria with Tilda Swinton. The remake Mm -hmm. was amazing. And Midsommar I loved because it was just so different than what I usually see. So those are some of mine. And then I love genre stuff and I love stuff that's funny. Like I love screen, the Scream franchise too. Like yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is pretty good. Like uh, Cabin in the Woods. But I could be sitting here like naming horror movies all day. So we're right. not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I will give a shout out to my friend Yesenia. We watch one horror movie a year together and I get to pick it. And the reason why is because I'm that person who watches horror movies and I stand up and I, and I run around and I put my head under like a blanket and I scream and I say, <laughs> what's happening? Tell me what's happening. And then I say, turn down the volume, turn mm-hmm. down the volume, because that's how I watch horror films. And she will let me do that and then explain to me what's happening in detail so that I don't have to actually pay attention. <laughs> That's that's a good friend. And what what was the last one you remember watching with her? Um, we watched uh, Conjuring. The Conjuring. Conjuring. The Conjuring is scary. Oh, oh my, my god. god! I was so scared. I was so scared. I was like, I almost couldn't finish that film. My god, that is like in the like exact place for of the movies you said you didn't want. I know. Watch. I was so scared. <laughs> I was so scared. I couldn't <laughs> sleep for like two weeks. Oh man. I was so scared. I was like, I can't ever watch movies again. I'm so scared. <laughs> she, but she loves to do it. She's like, she's like, can we please watch this one? I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then I was like, I can't even finish this movie. Wow. At one point, I literally almost started crying. I was like, I'm so scared. Turn down the volume. I can't even listen. Wow. I was so scared. I was so scared. Yeah. You could film me watching films and just like laugh hysterically. You'd be so one of those so people. Yeah. You'd be yeah. one of those reaction shots. Well, thank you for braving these horror movies then. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So before we get started with today's episode, just a few notes. First, as usual, there will be a spoiler-free section at the beginning of the episode, and we'll warn you when the spoiler section starts. We'd also like to remind you that you can follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is Every Romcom, podcast and blog. Our Instagram is at Every Romcom. And our Twitter handle is at everyromcompod. And as always, you can find the podcast at everyromcom.com. Send us feedback at feedback at everyromcom.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And now let's listen to a, a little bit of the trailer for Happy Death Day. Oh, hey, you're up. Am I in a dorm room? Yeah, I folded your pants for you. Great. Dude, did you hit that? Oh, what? Stop global warming? You sneaky little biatch. Maybe you should switch to water next time. Super helpful. Don't be late to the party tonight. Okay, bye. Bye. Tree, happy birthday. Me. Hey, you're up. Look, I know this isn't going to make any sense. Stop global warming. Hey. I feel like I'm losing my mind. You sneaky little biash. Happy birthday. I've already lived through this day. Somebody's going to kill me tonight. <laughs> yeah, I cut the trailer off there because a lot of it is visual, like, but um, it gives you the basic idea of what this film's about, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's not a complicated film. Um, anyway, Happy Death Day was released Friday, October 13th, 2017. Um, it's directed by Christopher Landon and written by Scott Lobdell. And it stars Jessica Roth and Israel Broussard. The basic premise, uh, Teresa or Tree is a sorority girl who keeps repeating the same day, her birthday, over and over, Groundhog Day style. Um, I also think it's important to note that she is keeping that birthday kind of secret from people. 
During her time loop day, she wakes up in a boy named Carter's dorm room. She meets up with her sorority sisters and heads to a party. But no matter what she does, she keeps getting murdered by an unknown person wearing a mask of her school mascot, a baby face. Eventually, she confides in Carter, who helps her plan a strategy to find her own killer, kill them, and hopefully end the time loop. So some interesting facts about the film. So this is a rare slasher movie with a PG-13 rating, which there are actually a lot of other slasher movies with a PG-13 rating, but it's the minority of the, you know, that kind of subgenre. Mm-hmm. So um, an earlier version of the movie, Happy Death Day, was going to be made with Megan Fox, and it was much more of a slasher and horror movie. It sounded when like I saw, that- When I saw this, I was like, that's super interesting. Yeah. Why is yeah, that? Just because you know it would be far more sexy and stuff like that. So it would be such a different film. Yeah, and it probably would have been rated R. I bet it if, like if it was sticking more to horror. And um, Christopher Landon, actually the director of this movie, was initially brought on just to do a rewrite. So he has a lot of influence over the film in general. He was the one who added the character of Carter actually to give Tree a love interest. Like if it wasn't for Christopher Landon, we wouldn't be doing this movie on the podcast in the first place. Yeah. And um, yeah, and he changed certain aspects of who kills Tree and how as well. And Happy Death Day cost only four point eight million to make and had a worldwide gross of one hundred and twenty five point five million. Um, it had a sequel, Happy Death Day to You, which grossed about $65 million on a budget of less than $10 million. So the second one didn't do as well. I didn't really look into too much about why. Like, both of us, we'll talk about that later, liked it better. But I, my suspicion is that they marketed the first one as, like, more horror than maybe it really was. Yeah. And then hardcore horror people were disappointed and were like, well, I'm not going to go back and see number two or something. You know what I mean? That's yeah. my suspicion. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think it's a shame because the second one's really good. And there's some talk about maybe doing a third as well, which um, the sort of the title that's been floated by Christopher Landon was Happy Death Day to Us. So, mm-hmm. all right. So um, filming locations for Happy Death Day include Loyola University in New Orleans, Corky's Restaurant and Bar in Los Angeles, which you mentioned you'd seen. Yeah, I lived right across the street from for years in Van Nuys. Nice. And then also there's some places in UCLA are shown, including some place called Election Walk. Yeah. And a construction tunnel, which is pivotal in the movie, was also filmed at UCLA. And then there's just other scattered locations in Los Angeles and New Orleans. And this I found really interesting. Universal Studios was sued by a man named Jonathan Berducelli over copyright infringement because he was the creator of a mask called the King Cake Baby Mask. And he claims that the creators of Happy Death Day like stole his design. And I'll put a link to like an article about this in the show notes. So you can see the baby masks like next to each other. They are actually very similar to each other. Let's see the actual King Cake Baby Mask. I wanted to give a little background on that too. It's been used as a seasonal mascot during carnival season for the New Orleans Pelicans basketball team. And in terms of what a king cake baby is, the king cake is a traditional carnival food, and it often has a tiny baby Jesus hidden inside of it, like a little plastic toy. As of June 2021, Universal had apparently reached a settlement with Jonathan Bruticelli, um, but the amount of the settlement was behind a paywall, like on yeah. this like law journal. So I did not pay for a law journal for the sake of the podcast. I'm sorry, but That's I guess right. the case has been settled. 
So what's your general, like we've already given a hint, but what's your general impression of this movie in general? Opinion? I really enjoyed this film. I, you know what, I th- I'm glad it was silly and fun, but I really enjoyed uh, how clever it was. It's different than most kind of like horror. And I'm saying that with quotation marks, horror films. I like that there isn't a lot of gore in it. You know, there's like slashing and stuff, but there's not like blood everywhere. I don't see brain matter all over the yeah. place. And it's actually very cleverly put together. I I wasn't surprised by a lot of it, but I still enjoyed the ride. Yeah. Yeah. I saw this movie, I think about a year ago, I was trying to do like a month of horror, feminist horror films for Facebook. I was just trying to like think of as many as I could. And I saw this movie mentioned by someone as being kind of feminist. And so I was like, all right, I'll give it a look. And I didn't have really high expectations because I'd seen the trailer and I thought, oh, this looks like it might just be schlocky. But then I was like really pleasantly surprised. I think, it, yeah, like you said, it's clever. I think a lot of the dialogue is good. And I really like the actors. Yeah. Like the more I think about it, I think the actors are one of the strongest points of this movie, which Agree. is wild because they're mostly pretty unknown. Like Super, super unknown. But yeah, they, el- they elevate the dialogue because the dialogue, although like snappy, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, super highbrow, but they really do bring a lot to the film. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really liked it when I saw it last year. And then I saw the sequel pretty much immediately after seeing the first one. And then I I liked it again when I watched it for the podcast. But I will say, kind of knowing the mystery did made it a little less interesting the second time. I will say I knew it from like, I literally was I was watching it. I turned to my boyfriend. I was like, so it's it's that right. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, well, I was like, if I was writing this, this would be who it is, right? And he's like, I mean, okay. I'm like, yep. Man, I'm not. I'm probably just not very good at solving mysteries. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's oh, just well. because, like, obviously, if you're writing it, that's what's going to happen. Mm, maybe. All right. Well, we're not going to spoil anything. Like as we said, not we'll talk it's not about the that later. Section. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk then a little bit about our cast and crew. So we're looking at producer Jason Blum. He has 197 production credits going back to 1995. He founded Blumhouse Productions in 2000. Blumhouse, mainly known for horror, has also produced drama, including Whiplash and Black Klansman. So, you know, he started he started that house because he wanted to kind of elevate horror. And he's like, I really want a horror genre that we can get really good actors into. And how you get good actors into it is you get better scripts that do interesting things. So that if you look at this kind of movies that he's picking and the movies that he that he's getting into, that's what he's doing. And if you look at how Blumhouse kind of started other other franchises and other kind of horror has moved into that realm because of where Blumhouse went. Yeah, like I had no I really like even though I'd seen a ton of Blumhouse pictures, I really had no idea like of the breadth of like what they actually did like Yeah. So so they I guess they started in 2000, but I think was Paranormal Activity was that maybe the breakout? I feel that like was that, that breakout, was their breakout. Yeah, cuz it was it yeah. was really it was really cheap to do and so that was what what it was. It was really cheap to do. They he knew he could go to South by Southwest and make a ton of money and also just surprise people with something so different. Yeah. And like, I I read that they keep like really low budgets and Mm -hmm. then they give the directors a lot of creative control. And that seems like a great combination to me. Yeah. And well, they also push, it doesn't matter who the director is, they push them to keep very strict budgets, very low budgets. And they don't let them, they don't let them off the hook for that. They're just like, this is the budget stick within the budget, man. So I know that like the invisible man, when they were doing that, 
the, that budget was really hard and really tight because if you've seen The Invisible Man, which yeah. by the way is a film that yeah, I find incredibly scary. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, you know, mentally incredibly scary. Yeah. That film was very hard to film within budget, but like yeah. they pushed it and they were able to do it. So just like to give an overview of some of the Blumhouse movies, like, like we've mentioned a few of them, but Paranormal Activity, Insidious, The Purge franchise, Get Out, Split, Us, like The Invisible Man. And they've also, I guess, branched into TV. So they did The Jinx, yeah. Sharp Objects, and The Good Lord Bird. And there's more. There's a lot more. For a kind of horror movie type house, they're out there, you know, making making money and doing the right things. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, Jason Blum, somebody we probably would never have usually talked about on a regular rom-com podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the director is Christopher Landon, and he was praised really highly by the actors in interviews, and it seemed quite genuine. Um, He's the son of Little House on the Prairie actor Michael Landon, actually. Which I just wanted to put in here. I just finished a book called uh, Prairie Bitch. Which talks about, yeah, no, it's so good. It actually talks about Michael Landon a lot. I highly recommend anybody go read it. It's so good. It's called Confessions of a Prairie Bitch. It's so good. Is it by that like little girl who is so mean, like Nellie or something? Oh my God. It's so fantastic. Go read it. But she talks about Michael Landon all the time and only wonderful things to say. Nice. So Christopher Landon, um, he has more writing credits than he has directing credits. I mean, he must, he worked with Jason Blum before, I imagine, because he his writing credits include Paranormal Activities number two, three, and four. And he also wrote this movie I really love called Disturbia, that was like this like Rear Window remake with teenagers, like starring Shia LaBeouf. I just I like <laughs> saying LaBeouf. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, and so. Beyond Happy Death Day and the ones I just mentioned, he also wrote and directed Happy Death Day to You, the sequel. And he wrote and directed Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, the upcoming Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin, Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse, Freaky, and the upcoming We Have a Ghost, starring Jennifer Coolidge, David Harbour, and Anthony Mackie. And like those three in a cast together, I'm like, what's going to happen? Could be anything. Yeah. Totally. Um, by the way, I like, speaking of movies, I do like Scout's Guide to, to the Apocalypse and Freaky. Fantastic. I love them. So very good films. Um, writer Scott Lobdell. Is that how you say that one? I don't know. I didn't Not look up fantastic. Scott Lobdell. I'm sorry, Scott Lobdell. We, I hope we're pronouncing <laughs> your name right. I did look you up and I could not find a thing that somebody told me how to say your name. So we're all just going to sit around being like Lobdell. I hope that's your name, dude. Mostly known for work as a comic book writer, particularly the X-Men in the 90s. So yay for you. Has characters created by credit on Happy Death Day to you. But the sequel was written by Christopher Landon, the director of both films. Has written other works for TV and film, but nothing very famous. Yeah, I, I think like Scott Lobdell's uh, instinct was to be more horror and Christopher Landon just took it in a different direction. So Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Christopher Landon. So then we've got Jessica Roth. She is the star of the film and she started getting work in her early twenties in 2010. And then she started getting movie roles in 2013, but her biggest pre happy death day role was a supporting role in La La Land. So she's one of the, I think like friends of Emma Stone, like that you see dancing and the, the different colored dresses. I wasn't honestly a huge La La Land fan. I only watched it once. But I did watch a little clip of her, like, you know, just to see where she was in the film. Yeah. And she loves musicals, apparently, because after Happy Death Day, as well as starring in the sequel, Happy Death Day to You, she also starred in the musical remake of Valley Girl. And then I saw that she was also in a couple drama romances since then, Forever My Girl 
and All My Life. And I'd, I'd probably give those two a watch just because I thought she had a lot of charisma in this film. But I suspect like, I don't know, I want people to use her in roles like this, where she's just very like kind of brash and spunky and like, I don't know, just like a little bit edgy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I have a yeah. feeling she's being used as a pretty girl a lot. And yeah. she can do a lot more than that. Well, hopefully somebody will use her. So then we have Israel Broussard, uh, born and raised in Mississippi, has done some theater work there by age 12. He was doing work how he started young. First IMDb credit is in 2010 at age 16. He was in a TV series, Romantically Challenged. First featured film was Flipped at the same year. Prior to Happy Death Day, also appeared in The Bling Ring, which, by the way, is a great film. I don't remember him at all, but that's a great film. Good Kids, Say You Will, and Small Role in Sons of Anarchy, and Fear of the Walking Dead. He's probably a zombie or something, as well as in other films. I don't know if he's... I think he has more than a zombie role. I think he had, like, a legit role, Sybil. After Happy Death Day, he played Josh in To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which we've talked about in this podcast yes ah i think we did the to all the boys number three on a now streaming but he wasn't in that one yeah okay also appeared in extinction and the sequel to happy death day happy death day to you most recently appeared in hulu's horror anthology series into the dark with all that we destroy and the movie fear of rain drama horror thriller which by the way sybil couldn't finish she did try oh you started that okay i did try oh my god all right. And then then we have um, Fee Vu, who plays Ryan, Carter's roommate. And like he has a much bigger role in Happy Death Day to you. But um, and I'm glad because he's has I, this is the actor of all the actors in the cast where I'm like confused as to why I'm not seeing them everywhere. I think he's the one I'm most confused by. I'm just like he seems like really funny and like a lot of energy. And like, why is he not in more stuff? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Jessica Roth and Israel Broussard have been in other stuff, but Fivu is being underutilized. Well, so, he's like, Asian. I know, but, like, right now is, like, a moment, I feel like, for, like, more Asian casting and big productions with lots of Asian actors. And, like, male Asians are still having a lot of trouble. Well, they, I, this is my message. Anyone who's listening, <laughs> please put Fivu in your movie. He rocks. Okay. <laughs> he did rock. He did rock. Okay. Um, and then aside from the Happy Death Day movies, though, um, he seems to have mainly done smaller roles. And yeah. he did play smaller roles in some prominent movies, but I'm talking smaller roles. Like he was, I don't even remember what his credit was in Logan. And Pitch Perfect 2, it seemed like he was in one of the rival, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he was, He. I remember, I actually remembered him in that film. Oh, Okay. I did in Pitch Perfect 2. I was like, oh my God, I totally remember him. He was just, he was one of the people who, who sang off in the corner. I remember Nice. I didn't see either of those movies yet. So, well, actually, there's three now, right? Like, yeah. Like oh my that. gosh, it's terrible. Such a good. Those are such a good films. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, I thought I thought he was awesome, and I'm really glad he got more to do in Happy Death Day to you. No, absolutely, I agree. Uh, then we have Rudy Modine, which is Lori Tree's roommate. Uh, prior to Happy Death Day, she is best known for TV show Shameless. Uh, is this the American or the British version? The, show, the Showtime Shameless. The Showtime Shameless. Yeah. Okay. She appeared in the Happy Death Day sequel and Sat- Satanic Panic. Has a lot of stuff in post-production, but it's a lot of indie stuff. Then we have Rachel Matthews and I found out she plays Danielle, the president of the sorority house. And I found out that she might've been cast through nepotism, but it worked out. Um, she's really good, <laughs> but she is the niece of director Christopher Landon and the granddaughter of Michael Landon and happy death day was actually her feature film debut. And she didn't have, I don't think any credits before that on IMDb. 
Um, she also appears in the sequel. But like, yeah, nepotism. She's but it, like, she, amazing she's great. in the sequel. She's amazing. Oh, yeah. And she's just like a perfect sorority girl cliche character. She really yeah. she gives it life. She's also since then appeared in the Batwoman TV series as Magpie, and she voiced a character called Honey Marin in Frozen 2. I've not seen Frozen 2, but it seemed like a fairly important supporting character. I don't know. All right. I don't remember who that was in Frozen 2, but I remember enjoying Frozen 2. All right. So that's the cast and the crew. So like, as to Happy Death Day, like, it's an interesting, like, it's an interesting movie because it's like a hybrid genre movie. And, um... Yeah, and it combines elements. There's slasher, there's whodunit, there's teen movie element to it, even though it's set at a college, but there's still teens, some of them. And there's drama and there's romantic comedy. And like, it's like all mashed together. And I like that. Yeah, um, I definitely like the, that. I definitely like that there, it, there are elements that are like kind of like there's a lot of funniness. There is f- strong female characters throughout the whole thing, which is why, you know, you said that it's kind of like feminist uh, one of I the like, reasons yeah yeah that, that's like feminist i also like that you know nobody's you know although she wakes up and she was you know in some dude's bed she is very strong female character and she's not just like naked all the time wearing little tiny mini skirts yeah 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 there's a lot of differences from like traditional slashers like you said there's not nudity um there's very little gore and like and other, unlike other slashers where there's a ton of victims like getting killed one by one, there's like one main victim and very few additional victims. So it doesn't feel like it's just killing for the sake of killing or like that's the main event. Like it's right. the, there's there's that whodunit flavor that's in it too. Right. And there was, yeah, there was also very little like of the like the 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 horror screaming. It's not like ah constantly. Yeah, that's true too. And she's not just like tripping over shit, like you know. <laughs> yes, she's like she's picking up shit all the time to go kill people. Yeah, and like I like I also like that the final girl in this is an attractive blonde who isn't a virgin. Like, so they're not trying to make her some final girl. Oh, she's so perfect, kind of character. Right. Like quite the opposite. Yeah. And then, um, but it's it has some similarity to other slashers in that there's the iconic mask you know, costume with a baby face. Right. Um, there's, there's a lot of creative kills. So anybody who's into slashers for the creative kills would enjoy this, I think. And there is an attractive blonde. I mean, yeah, yes. <laughs> that's, Where's- that's hallmark of the slasher. She just usually dies first. Well, she, I guess yes. she does die first and then she just she keeps dies dying. over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> so this feels like a movie that wouldn't be possible without the movie scream from 1996. Like it mm-hmm. has like a lot of like meta. Well, not so much meta. It's got a lot of humor. It's got a lot of humor in that kind of tone. And also it reminds me a lot of Scream 2, which is set at a college. And the other thing that's similar about Scream is it centers the victims over the killers. So the victim is intelligent and trying to find the killers. And then because it's a time loop movie, obviously it owes a lot to Groundhog Day from 1993. And I love how it's like referenced in the film. And then like the main character hasn't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who's Bill Murray? <laughs> like, oh my God. I yeah, hope- no, that that was hysterical where that 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 whole section that the, the time loop the the referencing the the meta time loop where she, she's like what i don't even know what you're talking about it was awesome yeah. and actually the movie has less of a rom- rom-com element than i remembered like um i remembered it as being very rom-com centric and i think that was maybe because i was remembering the sequel with it as a package but it, yeah the rom-com doesn't really come up until about i would say 40 minutes in you don't yeah. really get a lot of interaction but i think it's worth waiting for it's true cuz it it pays off the rom-com pays off at the end 
Okay, so now we're going to just tell you like what happens on the first day. So this is like before we're in a time loop, um, just like what happens to um, what happens to tree on her average day. So we open on like a clock tower that's going off, um, chiming the hour. I think it's nine, I believe. And tree's waking up in a dorm room bed. And the first thing she sees is Carter, who it's his dorm room. And he says, oh, hey, you're up. And something like I folded your pants for you or something. Yes, he's he's super worried about he's super worried about like wrinkles in her clothes. Yeah. And then you hear like a birthday ringtone, like not it's the one birthday. you hear in the trailer. Yeah, it's not the one from the trailer though. I guess I read that they couldn't get it, so I guess that doesn't that makes sense. <laughs> and um her dad's calling and she ignores it and she goes pr- through the whole process of changing her clothes. Like she's not shy. She like just takes her shirt off in front takes um Carter's shirt off that she's been wearing and puts her other shirt on. She asks him for Tylenol, she's kind of bitchy. She is a super bitch. That's what's important. At this point, <laughs> she's a super bitch. She, and she then, doesn't really care how she's gotten into this random dude's bed. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she, I think she, she just assumes they slept together basically. Yeah. Yes. And whatever. She just, she's most unhappy that the fact that's in a dorm room, I guess, instead yes. of, I guess, a frat house or something. I don't know. And then Carter's roommate busts in and said like, Hey, did you get some of that fine vagina or something like that? Fine vagina. Fine vagina. But he says, but, but he says vagina. I know because it rhymes. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. <laughs> and like she's she just kind of leaves at that point, and then Carter's like dickhead to his roommate, like because he thinks he's spoiled it all. But like Carter had no chance with her at this point, like nope. really. So then you get the quad scene, and you get to see like typical college life. There's this like guy with sunglasses who seems emo. He seemed a little dated to me. I don't think kids are like dressing like maybe they are. Then there's Stop Global Warming Girl who wants her to sign like a petition or something. And then you see past these people who are making out and like the sprinklers go off and they have to run away. There's a car alarm. There's a bunch of pledges like being forced to sing 99 bottles of beer on the wall until one of them faints. And then she runs into this guy that apparently she ghosted named Tim. Yep. Who, yeah, we'll talk more about what yep. happens yeah, talk about Tim later. <laughs> And then she gets back to her sorority house and there's this like friendly, like blonde haired Asian girl listening to her music who waves at her and she totally ignores her. And then there's Danielle comes in like as as tree enters the house, trying to sneak in. Danielle says, Oh my God, you sneaky little biatch. And she wants to know who tree slept with. I've never lived in a sorority house. I don't know if this is a typical sorority. I mean, this apparently is the sorority that we all see when we watch TV and movies. Yeah, basically. And they have like a little discussion and they're both kind of bitchy to each other. And then she gets into her dorm room and Lori, her roommate says she finally rolls in and well, she's, like, she's writing in her journal. This is important. Oh, she's writing in her journal. I didn't notice that. Yeah. She's writing her journal. And then, um, then she offers tree a cupcake because it's her birthday. And tree's like, how'd you know it was my birthday? And she's like, I checked your driver's license. So like you said, she's trying to keep the birthday secret for some reason. Then she briefly goes to a class with Gregory or this professor. We'll, we'll find out more about him later. And then there, she's at the house meeting and you see this guy selling like Bayfield, Bayfield college or Bayfield university. I don't know. There's schools like athletic gear, mascot masks, whatever. And paraphernalia. And this is the first time you see the creepy baby mask being sold at that booth. And you're, and you got to think to yourself, wow, this is a really creepy school. Yeah. Lee was like, nobody would have that mask. And no. so like, 
He was really surprised when he found out it was an actual mask that they that like like similar to the actual mask they have in New Orleans for this one basketball team. I was like, See, yeah, no. Some- when I when I read that, I was like, that's creepy, and no one would want that. That's that's creepy. If somebody was rolling down the street in that, I'd be like, what is wrong? Why oh, is this happening? Sure. For sure, yeah. Anyway, um, they're at the house meeting, and she sees the baby mask, and then Danielle's talking about how they have to pick a charity this year for their I don't know sorority whatever. And she right. says, no special needs art fair because it freaked me out. Like, And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> you get to know that Danielle's also a terrible person. She's a terrible person. <laughs> and, and then this poor girl, Becky, comes with like a plate of normal looking food. And she gets like, Danielle shames her for eating it. And she said, I missed breakfast. And then Danielle's like, we all miss breakfast, Becky. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I don't know if this is still a thing in sorority houses. Like this, this kind of diet no culture. Idea, but. You know, once again, this is just like, you know, TV. Yeah. And then um, Carter shows up and ends up colliding with Becky, who's trying to run away in shame. And there's like chocolate milk everywhere on Carter and Becky and Tree. And Carter's just come to give Tree her bracelet back. And she wants him to run, go away and never be seen near her because she's embarrassed of like knowing him, basically. And after this, we go to Gregory's office. So Gregory, yeah, Gregory, as you, like, as you said, he's like a professor... And I do not doctor. understand Gregory. Gregory yeah, I don't understand this character either. He's like, he's in the class, he was talking quantum something. <laughs> he's talking quantum physics, but he's also maybe a surgeon or something. Yeah, and in a, a hospital. Doctor, yeah. And he works at a hospital. I don't understand this character and I don't get him. I mean, I guess the hospital could be the university's hospital, like where they do teaching. But yeah, it but doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he does not. Listen, if you are teaching a math science, you're not a doctor who actually has like patients. Not usually. No, I wouldn't think. And then at the same time, he's like having like a relationship with at least one sorority girl because uh, tree shows up in his office and um, he says, we don't have time right now, but then tree starts making out with him. Also, he's not hot. He's weird looking. I don't think he's weird looking. I think he's normal looking. No, like I wouldn't say weird, weird. Okay, for the like, you go and look at a picture of this guy for yourself, audience, and like you can determine whether audience. Right. I want an email from you letting me know if he's hot <laughs> or not. Well, I'm not saying he's hot necessarily, but I just don't think he's weird. I think he's just normal. Would you normal have sex looking. with Gregory? I no, would, but that's because his character is not good. I don't. I don't think his character's any. Anyway, he's not hot. I well, regardless of whether he's hot or not, he Tree is having an affair with him, and we find this out. And then Gregory's wife shows up, and they kind of like cover it up very badly and tree leaves. So we go from there to like, we've definitely skipped large swaths of whatever trees day would have been. Obviously we can't have like a movie that lasts 12 hours, like just for the first part of it. Um, before the, we go to before the party, like that night at the frat house, trees sitting in her room watching teen mom for some reason. And then Danielle comes in and like, trees like you're borrowing my shirt or something. And like Danielle's wearing like a robe. I can't see. Is that supposed to be the shirt? She's, she's wearing like a, she's wearing what looks like a a marching band top. That's all I could. It it looks. It's weird. I think it just looks like a burgundy robe. To me, it just looked like she's wearing a burgundy robe. No, No? it wasn't a robe. It looked like it was out of the nineties. It was the weirdest outfit guys. I would like, it was weird. 
Well, Daniel is borrowing some kind of, we both agree it's burgundy anyway, I think. Yes. Some kind of weird burgundy thing with like, it looks like it's tied around the waist, sort of. It's, it's and, burgundy like, and it has like velvet, it has like a velveteen edging on it. And it's like some kind of like 90s top and But skirt. she also wasn't wearing a skirt, I don't think. No, she I was wearing know. a skirt that matched it. They were matching. That was oh, like matchy really? matchy. It was super oh. weird. Anyway, like she, Daniel's borrowing this weird clothing item from her. And and then there's like a quick blackout, just like a really fast blackout, and then the power's back on. And yeah. then so after that, tr- we get Tree walking to the party alone, wearing a skimpy dress. So this is like your slasher movie classic right here. Yeah. And she gets a message from her father about how she missed lunch with her that day. Um, then there's a group of students pass her by, and one of them's wearing the creepy baby mask and kind of lingers back and stares at her. Okay, then she's walking down a set of stairs alone. She gets to a construction tunnel and the construction tunnel has a creepy music box in the middle of it playing happy birthday, the happy birthday song. And then the creepy mask guy shows up at the other end of the construction tunnel. She kind of like has some bravado. She's like, Oh, like I'm not scared of you. Go try this on the other sorority house or something. Uh, and I'm going to call the cops. And then he goes away. She turns around to walk the other way. The music box starts playing again and then all of a sudden the baby mask guy like jumps out of, from above the tunnel out of nowhere and stabs her to death. And then she wakes up again in Carter's bed. She stands there. So th- this is the part that I'm like, I'm like, first of all, this is, this is UCLA and this is a creepy tunnel that you yeah, have that to Yeah, that part's UCLA. Yeah, yeah this that's part really, is, you've walked through is, that? Yeah, and it's super creepy. You have to walk down these deep set of stairs. It's over by the physics department. You have to walk down these deep set of stairs. And this area is super creepy, period. So I'm sure that somebody was like who went to UCLA was like, this area is super creepy. We should totally film here. And you have to walk down this area. And she stands there so long. She stands there forever like, and has this conversation with like no one. I'm like, dude, just turn around and walk back. Like, go into the light, man. Don't walk down that area. But also, who walks this way? It's terrible. It's terrifying. Don't walk that way. Nobody I mean, walks that way. It's too scary. She can't help it. She's in the movie. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's horrible. Nobody wants to walk that way. Yeah, but then she dies because that's what, what's going to clearly happen at the, t- the tunnel of death there. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah. And then this after this scene, she wakes up in Carter's bed again. And right away, the audience realizes it's a time loop before she does. So really quickly, we're going to talk a little bit about time loop films. Um, so as we, we ta- mentioned, Groundhog Day is kind of the gold standard of time loop movies. It's the one everybody references and thinks of, but um, partly because that article you sent, Sybil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I saw that there's previous time loop media. So that includes um, an episode of Star Trek, the next generation called cause and effect, which I guess was season five, episode 18 had a time loop thing and then the same year as groundhog day there's a movie that came out a tv movie that came out called 1201 i watched it by the way really yeah i did i finally i decided i was gonna watch it because i've seen the next generation i was like i should just watch this it was actually really good huh yeah you watched it for the podcast i did i watched it for the podcast i will tell everyone it was very good and you can watch it on youtube you can watch it on youtube yeah, and I guess that movie was based also then on a 1973 short story by somebody named Richard A. Lupoff. And yeah, and it had also been a short film in 1990. So yeah, it, and it's what, like a thriller or something? Yeah, it's a thriller. Or? It's a thriller and it's actually really, it's really well done. And it's, it's it, it, so it's a thriller that also has a time loop in it. And the mechanics of the time loop are really interesting. And I, you kind of don't want to talk too much about it because you will spoil it because it's really interesting and different. 
Does it have any romance element or? No, there's no romance oh, element for everyone. Sorry. Right. Okay. But still sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. So then like, and then other time loop movies you might have seen or that would be good to see would include Source Code, Edge of Tomorrow, Before I Fall, Palm Springs, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. And there's many more that I'm leaving yeah. off. And do you yeah. like time loop films generally? I love time loop movies. They're they're one of my thing. They're one of my jams. Uh, that's why one of the reasons why I was like cool about doing this, like <laughs> seeing this film, because I was like, well, it's horror, but it's a, uh, you know, you said that it wasn't, but also it's a time loop, and I love time loop movies. Nice. And what's your favorite? Uh, you know, the map of uh, tiny perfect things has been one of my favorites, but Palm yeah. Springs is probably my all time favorite. And then really? for sci fi, Edge of Tomorrow is. So yeah, good. Edge of Tomorrow is really good. I agree with you on Edge of Tomorrow. I was, I was not so into Palm Springs. Oh, I, like, God, I love Palm Springs. Like I like the map of Tiny Perfect Things, but I like it because I think it does something very different than what Groundhog Day did. But yeah. Palm Springs to me is so similar to Groundhog Day that like I compared it to Groundhog Day. Like just the attitude, not like the plot necessarily, but the attitude of the two films was similar to me. I don't know, but maybe I found people that, can yeah. disagree. We could, t- we could totally do a thing on Palm Springs. So, like- Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally willing to podcast on any rom-com. So, or even things that are just at the edge of the rom-com genre, as our audience has seen. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, my favorites, I guess it's boring, but I, I do like Groundhog Day the best. And, and this movie, and, and it's this movie also and Map of Tiny Perfect Things, I think are the others I really like the most. But Edge of Tomorrow is good good sci-fi tomorrow is is probably my it's probably one of my favorites um for sci-fi purposes it's so good it's really really good okay so we're in the first loop now and tree is not realized she's in a time loop even though carter's like they're saying the same things i'm pretty sure she just thinks she's super hungover and had a crazy dream yeah, I found that this is where I found it was interesting that she like, you know, I tried to th- put myself in this place if I was living in a time loop. And like, do you do you realize you're in a time loop where like everything seems the same? Or do you think that like you're just having a really weird deja vu day? Yeah, like I think Tree would just think the latter or just like because she was so drunk last night that she basically forgot everything. Like, I think your mind would go there like this is the weirdest hangover I've ever had. Right. Like, and she'd never seen Groundhog Day. So yes, that's true. She'd never seen Groundhog Day. That is true. That is something I had forgotten. So yes. So yeah, but immediately there's kind of signs of the time loop. Like if the audience hadn't already gotten it from the trailer and everything else, um, she remembers Carter's name. He's saying the exact same things. She knows where the Tylenol is for her hangover. And Carter's like, it's like you've been here before. <laughs> and <laughs> And then I like the signaling, the like the bumper sticker that's on the the wall or the doorway of Carter's dorm room. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. It's just a nice little nod. And then she gets out on the quad and there's another sign. She asks Tim what day it is. He says it's Monday the 18th, the same day it was the day before. She gets back to her sorority house. She goes to Danielle. Oh, I love this one. She goes to Danielle. I'm totally having deja vu right now. And Danielle in one of her immortal Danielle-isms says, oh, I have it all the time. It's supposed to mean like someone's thinking about you while they're masturbating. I have it at least five times a day. Right. (laughs) Oh, Danielle. (laughs) Anyway, um, let's see what else we have going on for this. So Tree then makes her first, Tree does start to think something's going on at this point. She makes her first attempt to talk to someone. And her first person she goes to to talk to is Gregory. Because that's where you're going to go. 
Mm-hmm. Well, he's a, okay. He's older and he, she's sleeping with him. It's true. And so she has some assumption that he'll have some kind of responsibility wrongly, of course. Um, <laughs> instead of listening to her at all, he assumes that she's trying to talk about their relationship, which he doesn't want to talk about. And he, he assumes that she's going to tell him that he's, she's in love with him. And when she says she's not in love with him, then he gets really excited and starts kissing her. Yes. <laughs> And then his wife interrupts them. And so there's no chance to talk to Gregory. So then we start seeing changes in Tree's behavior uh, just slightly. Um, she, we see her watching a video of her mother and herself on their birthday, um, which was a few years ago, I guess. And while she's waiting to get ready for the party. Um, then when she's walking towards the party, she stares at creepy baby, the guy when he's like separated from his friends. So like she saw creepy baby guy on a couple occasions, like on her the first day right yeah and like this is just so this is just a guy who's like separated from his friends maybe and looking at her yeah but in the first loop i think we it's fair to assume most people thought maybe he's the killer but it turns out he's just some super weird guy who stares at girls because somebody's (laughs) like he's just he's not even a weird guy he's just a guy who is now in a mask who stares at girls because they're guys all the time who just stare at girls sure but i mean like wouldn't you think that like if you're wearing that creepy mask and staring at some girl by yourself that you would creep her out i don't know no because he's just a guy and he doesn't even care he doesn't notice well anyway his friends say like hey mutt or hey or i don't know what the fuck his name was they say hey whoever <laughs> and then he goes back with his friends and like you realize that guy's probably not the killer right and yeah and then like the best change is like she goes to the tunnel, she sees the fucking music box and she just like nopes out. She just like leaves. She's like, I'm not going through that tunnel. That's right. Again. She nopes out and you're like, oh my God, she's this is a different kind of slasher film. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, it does the horror movie thing that the horror movies do, do really well, which is like give you like all these scares when it's not time to be scared yet. Like she's walking across a deserted campus. You see her from afar alone, still in the ridiculous dress. You see the the frat house is totally dark. Like she's approaching and she opens the door and creepy baby mask jumps out. And then she fucking punches him. And it's not actually the killer. (laughs) It's so good though. She's so hardcore. Yeah. And like, it turns out to just be this guy, Nick, who's just like some frat guy that she, I think that she, he's, is he the one she made out with the past, the night before? I think he is. Yes. Yeah. When she was totally drunk. Anyway. Yeah. It scares you. And then it like relieves you. And at the party, she ends up going up to Nick's room. And I love this. When she's in the doorway of Nick's room, you see her framed between a skull and crossbones flag and a sign that says, do not enter. It's like a fairy tale. It truly is. And fucking Nick is wearing the baby mask again. <laughs> he takes it off and he's like, welcome to the pleasure dome. And he starts playing. <laughs> and like, apparently the pleasure dome is where you play electronic music really loud and then go and have a rave by yourself. Cause that's, that's what correct. You have, you just, you have like lasers in your room and that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the second movie in a row we've done where some guy thinks that the way to impress a girl is to do a little dance show for her. Absolutely. Absolutely. This and I could never be your woman. But like, unlike Michelle Pfeiffer, Tree is not polite. She just, she like turns around and she starts texting with Danielle and like, whatever. What we can all learn from Tree, we can just all learn to be better asses. Better, better asses? No, better asses. We can all learn to be better better asses. And just, just, we just learn to be better asses and just be like, whatever, dude. No, just no. Shut that down. 
Yeah. So while she's like texting and this loud music is playing, of course, like <laughs> Nick gets killed by baby mask guy. In such um, a beautiful way, though. It's so good. It's like the best part. Like how? Like explain. I've never what? been this. This is ne- I've never enjoyed watching somebody get killed more because you're just watching this douchebag just co- totally get killed. <laughs> but like, like, I don't remember how he gets killed. Is there something funny about it? Like, It's so hysterical. Like he's he's like dancing and stuff and he's dancing with a killer and like totally getting just like slashed and it's just it's just there's like laser lights and there's you know you you, there's no blood anywhere but you can just imagine that there'd be like blood burning ever it just you can imagine it and it's just so funny yeah it is pretty funny i was like it was not sad for nick i have to say no i was not sad either i was like i'm i'm enjoying your death and i shouldn't be but i am so yeah she turns around after nick's been killed and like she sees like baby mask person and thinks it's still nick um, but then she looks down and sees that Nick is dead and the baby mask guy has a bloody knife and they start fighting with each other. And eventually she's on a bed with the baby mask person above her, like, um, trying to kill her with a knife. Well, actually, I don't think you can see the knife at that point. No, you can't. Yeah. So then this fucking other frat guy comes into the room. She's yelling, help me, help me. But he's this- so high. He can't, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. No, no. My theory that my theory on this is that like the frat, it's meant to be a, a comment on campus rape. I'm not even kidding. I think oh, it's supposed okay. to be like a, com- a comment on frat rape because like what I got from it is she's like, help me, help me. This guy looks like he could be trying to rape her instead. Like the baby mask person seems like they could be raping her. And the guy's like, oh, whatever. It's a frat brother. I don't need to do anything about this. You know what I mean? Oh, I I saw him. I mean, that would be great. I saw him as because like his face just didn't look right either. He just looked like he was really not right. Oh, and he was I probably he, drunk. Yeah, I just saw, thought he was like so high or drunk or something that like he didn't know what was happening. The music was so loud that he couldn't actually hear her. And yeah, like, I know. yes, you should have seen that she didn't look like she wanted to be there, but he wasn't cognizant of what was going on. I felt. I, I felt. Your, did I like give your a way thumbs better. up? Yeah, didn't he give a thumbs up, though, at some point, too? I don't know. Yeah, he does give a thumbs up, but I think that it was just him being like, I mean, that looks like it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm going with rape on this one. (laughs) All right. Because then she also yells asshole at him as he's going away. So I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I don't know. I think also Christopher Landon is is clever enough to put that in there. Mm -hmm. Maybe Scott Scott Lobdell, but that reads Christopher Landon to me. Yeah. (laughs) Like, from the interviews I've seen. Anyway, Frack Guy leaves and she is stabbed to death with a bong yes. that was sitting by Nick's. Like the bong is broken and then she's stabbed with it, which is interesting because like you never see Tree smoking the bong or anything. It's not like an anti-drug comment, really. No. It's just like a, this is the weapon that was at hand kind of comment. Well, that's because she's not in her room. She would never have a bong in her yeah. room. Yeah, I but don't think so. We're in the pleasure dome, okay? <laughs> All right. All right. So... Second loop, she wakes up. She's freaked out. The camera shots start getting jittery in this loop. Um, this loop, she try everything happens like it's happened because we're in a loop. Um, but she now tries- she's aware of what's going on. So it's important yeah. that she's a hundred percent now aware of what's going on. She does not think that she is. You know, she's walking around. She's like, okay, look, I see the sprinklers going off. I know what's going on. Crap, something horrible is going down. Yeah, and this time she tries to confide in her roommate. So she gets back to the sorority house and she tells Lori, I have already lived through this day twice. And like Lori's like trying to like, you know, calm her down or whatever. And Bean's like, why don't you just stay home and relax and you'll feel better? But she does not get it at all. She doesn't like, you know, like listen really. Like, I think most people, like, what do you think most people would do if you told them you were in a time loop? Like, 
I mean, I I like to believe that I believe you that you're in a time loop, but I'm that person. I think like my husband would because he would be like, why would Jen lie to me about this? But like, I mean, I I believe you believe you're in a time loop. Yeah. But would you believe, believe that they were in a time loop? I don't know. Like, and what would you think to do for them? I would give you the benefit of the doubt. I'd be like, okay, well, I mean, stranger things have happened. So let's say that you're in a time loop. Hmm. Well, I think it's pretty normal that Lori wouldn't believe, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this is like, then Tree does like something that like seems pretty intelligent to me where she stays in her room and she tries to like lock it down, board it up, etc. But somehow this killer still gets in and it's hard to like, I don't yes. want to like do any spoilers. We'll talk about like, yes. but like, yeah. I also found this like, like I found this intelligent, but also like, how is this happening? Yeah. Like how would the killer be there? Plus there's like the first sign of trouble is like, that like the killer's there is she can't find the TV remote and like the TV remote starts going on and off randomly. And I'm like, this is a magical TV remote. Okay. My remote, you have to get it like lined up fucking perfectly with that little box or it's not going to do shit. So I don't know how this remote is fucking from (laughs) other rooms. (laughs) Good. Well, a good TV remote can work from very far away. So I'm sorry about your TV remote sucks balls, but it does. Remotes can work from like outside of a home. What? Yeah, totally. Okay. This is crazy. <laughs> well, you learn something new every day. Okay. And then she, tree finds a creepy birthday card with a baby mask guy on it and says, enjoy today because there's no tomorrow. And right. eventually the killer comes out of somewhere and tree is stabbed in her room. I don't even remember where the killer comes out from. I think this scene, bathroom, I, was, I think, I think it's a yeah, bathroom. Maybe. Yeah, and I'm, bathroom. I'm like, what did you like lock the whole place up and not check the bathroom? I don't know. Well, and that's like, the thing. You're just like, wow. So like somebody has been hanging in the bathroom for a really long time. <laughs> Basically. They're like, they're just like, the killer's just like, I'm in the bathroom for like four hours. <laughs> just Pretty really, much. I'm really selling it right now. Yep. Pretty much. Anyway, I, I literally was like, so this is either really, this is either magical realism or this killer has a lot of patience, which most killers do not have this much patience. I mean, to be fair, this is pretty standard for a slasher movie to have like completely unrealistic things happen. But right. yeah, yeah, it, it was a little, that's why you have to usually make the victim stupid instead and have them d- do dumb things. Cause otherwise you're stuck with this option where you're like, well, how did this happen? They're like, like, Oh my God, I have to go get an ice cream. Hold on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay so tree's killed yet again third in the third loop she wakes up screaming and like she says get away to me to carter get away from me to carter she runs away and i have one quibble with this she leaves the dorm room so fast this time that i don't think the same things would be happening in the quad that's all i yeah. think she'd be there just like a few seconds earlier you right. know what i mean yeah but, yeah no i get you i get you like they she they, everything would have had like she would have passed the sprinklers before they went off and you yeah know, yeah, I get you. Which would have also been interesting, actually. I would have loved to see what was happening just a second before. But yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> anyway, yeah. but they were filming, I guess, these scenes. Like, so they were filming these scenes over and over again. Like, they were filming the quad scene over and over again for different loops, which, like, you know, is how you would do a movie. But that seems yeah. like it would be super interesting for actors to be like, now we're going to do this for a day of that. You know what I mean? Right. And so uh, this is the first time that she doesn't change her shirt in Carter's room. So previously she'd been putting on a sparkly sequin silver shirt tank top that she'd had on before, but this time she just leaves Carter's shirt on. And it's this like um, three quarter length baseball tee with this band called Dumpsta Funk on it, which I guess is a funk and jam band from New Orleans. So, and I put a link in the show notes if you want to buy this shirt, because you can actually buy a shirt like this that tree wears in the movie. It'd be a pretty easy Halloween costume. Yeah. 
that plus skin, a baby skin, mask. Skinny jeans, skinny jeans and that shirt. Yeah, and red heels. You got it. Yep. You're, you hold your whole done. thing. Done. But yeah, so this is, the, I also think though it's like a character thing, like that they're showing her character change by having her not put her fancy shirt on and having yeah. her wear this like simple shirt. You think so too? Yeah, that and a mental and a mental breakdown. She's yeah, a, that and a, a mental, mental breakdown. breakdown. Yeah, mental breakdown. And then that's also signified by like the camera work is really like um, off kilter. The edges of the camera work starting to blur. And there's the spinning effect where it's kind of like showing it spinning around her face, like looking freaked out. And Carter follows her out with her clothes. He brings her heels and her fancy shirt and everything. And she is so freaked out that she goes and hugs him and says, help me. And this is like really the first turning point in their relationship because you see them in the cafeteria and Carter's actually listening to her. Like he's the mm-hmm. first person that she told the time loop story to, who's like actually trying to help her make sense of it. And you can, you also see her where like, like I said, like this is her breakdown. You can see from her, from both her makeup and her hair that she's, you know, she's losing it. She's like, yeah. she feels lost. She just feels abandoned, which is why she's going to hold on to the only person around her who is this guy who she doesn't even know, but he seems nice. Yeah, exactly. And she's, right. yeah, her, yeah, her makeup is like, she's got like raccoon eyes, which is like what I look like whenever I put on eyeliner. But for Tree, <laughs> she has to cry first. Oh, I can't do eyeliner at all. You should try, you should see. So yeah, and then like Carter, like after he's heard her stories, she, he suggests that she make a list of suspects of like who might have killed her. And like um, that since she has all these lives, like why doesn't she just use them to solve the murder? Which she's initially kind of skeptical about, but then she like kind of latches on to it as a solution. And the suspect list part is hilarious because like she starts out with people we know about like um, Danielle because maybe because she was hitting on Nick, the guy that Danielle also likes. Uh, Gregory, the professor guy, Gregory's wife. The Tim guy that she ghosted that keeps like, like she keeps encountering in the quad. And then she says that tiny girl from TJ Maxx that I got fired and the Uber driver that I spit on last week. (laughs) (laughs) How did that last one happen? Why is she spitting on an Uber driver? (laughs) She's not a nice person. That's what you're learning. She's not a nice person. She drunk though. Like spitting on someone seems pretty extreme. I don't know. That's the thing. You're learning that she's not a nice person. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. And then um, she also in this scene, it's very important. She finds out that Carter did not sleep with her or take advantage of her last night. And that he just brought her to the dorm room. Like, so, cause he didn't want her to like choke on her own vomit or something. And he slept in the other bed. So, and this is the first time then that she smiles at him when she finds this out. She just assumed he was like kind of a skeezy guy, like on some level, you know, like he's nice, but he's also skeezy. But then she finds out, Oh no, he's just nice. Right. So then we get the montage. I love a montage. I think. <laughs> are, are you are you pro montage? I, I, I do enjoy a montage. Um, I and I always hear the Team America montage music in my head every single time. Oh yeah, the montage song. Yeah, yeah, yes. I know what you're talking. I hear about. it every single time that it's time for a montage. So this montage covers like time loops four through question mark because like I counted them up and you see in the movie, I think like 10 deaths, I think I wrote down like actual ones that you see, but the montage, you know, form, you know, provides the opportunity for like many more possible deaths. Okay. And I'm talking 10 in the whole movie that you actually see, but it's, it's, there's a, it's question whether how many times she actually dies. So she, she, you see her begin to try to cross suspects off the list. She starts with Tim. Yes. 
<laughs> do you want to tell about Tim? I don't know. Do you want to tell about any of these guys? No, but you, like it's it's a lot. But like, what's nice about this montage is you can you get to see a lot of like exciting, unusual deaths very quickly without spending a lot of time doing it in a lot of fun ways. Right? That's, yeah. what's, that's what's fun about this montage sequence. Yeah, and some of them are really funny. Yeah. And like, I like, I, and you see first she eliminates Tim. She's outside his room and she sees that he's watching gay porn. And then you just see her smiling like, Oh, like that's what's going on with Tim. Like he doesn't really want me. So we find out, yeah, we find out that Tim's gay and like, she's very relieved. And then we find, we see Gregor's wife going to an event. So she gets eliminated and then Danielle and her are run over by a bus. But like, I was unclear, like, is the killer supposed to be driving this bus? Because she thinks it's Danielle who killed her. She finds, like, a similar card to the one she got in her room. She mm-hmm. starts beating up Danielle. They get in a big fight. They end that up in the road. So <laughs> yeah, they end, they end up in a road, and a bus runs them over. But, like, you don't see, like, the baby guy driving the bus, do you? I don't think so. I, I wasn't paying that close of attention, but I just assumed that he was just totally driving the bus. Like, to me, I'm like, Danielle's not off the list yet, because I'm just like, hey, like, who's, like, if you if you get in a fight and end up in the road, you might get run over by a bus. That's just like, it's possible. Uh, I, could, could, well, I don't know. And at that point, I, I mean, I already knew who was the killer at this point, so I didn't care. <laughs> like, I knew within three seconds of this movie who was like the killer. That so. That is pretty impressive. That is pretty And impressive. how they did it. So it didn't matter to me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, so then there's like finally there's a scene where she walks out of her dorm room, or out of the dorm naked into the quad, and you only see like it's very tastefully done because you only see kind of like from her collarbone up, and then you see like her back, like maybe to the top of her butt, but you mm-hmm. don't see anything that's like like ex- explicit nudity. But yeah. she, uh, Jessica Roth, really liked filming this. Apparently, like she found it very empowering. She said, and she said that um, the. It was a really cold day, but the women in the crew, the women crew members were really hyping her up and they were shielding her with their jackets from onlookers so that she would feel comfortable. And mm-hmm. she she said, quote, I think everyone fantasizes about what that would be like if you kind of just got to live without repercussions and do whatever you want. I got to do a few of those moments, like the naked walk of glory, not walk <laughs> of shame, walk of glory. It was one of the most empowering experiences I've ever had in my life. And like, yeah, I thought it was really cool, even though it didn't really have anything to do with the plot. I thought it was really interesting and fun. What about you? I I felt that it was like an homage to Groundhog's Day with the idea that, you know, you, at some point you do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Right. So in Groundhog's Day, he like, he just lives a life where he just does all the things he wants to do. Here she's now just, yeah, she's living this life because she's just trying to find her killer. But at some point you just got to do things you just want to do as well. Okay, so we're now going to begin um, the spoilers okay section. And yeah, this is after the montage. And we've gone through a lot of like tree, you know, dying again. We, are, God, we can spoil. Whew. Yeah, yeah, we can spoil that. We are at, <sighs> at we are at, at least loop seven now. So I was really trying to keep track of them. And like I said, it's unclear how many times tree has died total. We see 10 deaths on screen throughout the entire movie. But later on, there's a reference that where she's talking to somebody and she says she doesn't want to die for the 16th time. And then she does die again. So like she's, I think she's died. It's clear. She's died at least 16 times in the movie. Yeah. Anyway, she's died a lot of times. Yeah. She's, like she's had a lot of deaths. Yeah. So she's totally fed up this time when she wakes up and she tells Carter, your plan totally sucks. Of course, Carter has no idea what she's talking about because he's new every single day. Yes. (laughs) 
I think this would be the most frustrating part of a time loop is that like, you know, everything and the people yes. that you're around know nothing. Yes. And you have to explain shit to them over and over and over again. That yeah, would be really I, tiring. I hate like just repeating myself to somebody once. <laughs> when they're like, what? You're like, God damn it. <sighs> yep. And then this is like the part where she starts to feel pain from all of her murders. So, so she wait. Yeah, go ahead. So I want to actually say, so I actually think that she, so I actually think that she, although she may be feeling pain now, I think that before you could actually see that she was the unraveling mm. earlier. So that's like, I didn't like, we didn't want to spoil it, but like by the third loop, I think you are already kind of seeing where she was not doing as well. I think that the fuzziness of the camera, I think that her, that her hair and her makeup was getting like, like she was not looking as well. I think that you could actually tell. I went back and I watched it again. So I think that they actually did a really good job showing that she wasn't doing as well. At one point, a time she like moves slower. And like she, like she wakes up, she moves slower. She limps a little bit more in the morning. Huh. It's subtle, but it's there. Yeah. I didn't notice that. So that's a good catch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the first time we're kind of notice it, obviously. Like, she, yeah, where it's like her, a big thing. Yeah. She's like clutching at her stomach or something. And then she actually faints right into like Carter's roommate, Ryan's arms as he's coming into the door. And then she wakes up in the hospital and there's Gregory or Carter's there first and like his checking on her, even though he barely knows her like in this iteration. And then he's told by Gregory to go home. At that point, I really thought Gregory was the murderer. Like mm-hmm. I was, yeah, you, you knew. Our, you knew. Oh I God. knew. Yeah. Okay. So Gregory then tells her that she has signs of major trauma from some x-rays and she should be dead. And this is nice because it ups the stakes of the whole thing. Yeah, this is something I don't know if I've seen this in another time loop. Have you seen? Do you remember another time loop where this happened? No, not really. Not no. And I, I liked this as well. And I will tell you at this point, I was like, I looked at my man, and I was like, I was like, I was like, man. I, I mean, I guess they can switch it up, and it could be Gregory. But I, like, I will be really disappointed if it's Gregory who's the killer. I'll be very sad. Why is that? Why would you be disappointed? Because like so the weird. person who I felt it was should have been the killer, they had set it up so well earlier that I'd be yeah. like, I'm like, I'll be very sad. So how do you feel like about the, like you were asking me like how I felt about the time loop rules and their consistency, like, in, like, how do you feel about it? Like, um, I felt that they did a really good job with the consistency of the time loop, loop rules in general. Like I felt that they, like the time loop, loop rules were really well done. I like that they upped the stakes of them. I didn't see that coming at all. So like all of a sudden this like nine lives kind of, though she doesn't have nine lives, but this idea of this like cat lives kind of thing yeah. coming up where all of a sudden we have like a deadline. So all of a sudden we have this deadline. I was like, damn, imagine if they'd done that in Groundhog's Day and he couldn't like live infinity. Suddenly Mm -hmm. like, oh, there is this, there is this end date. You have, you're you're not going to live forever if you know, you have mortality in your loop. Yeah. I I thought so too. I thought it was good, except that some deaths like seem to affect her and some don't. Yeah. Like, and this becomes even more so like in the second movie, like I don't have to spoil too much about it, but just like this, the same rules apply, but you don't always see the the effects being as dramatic as other times. Like in this, isn't she like spitting out water when she gets drowned? Like at the end of the montage. Well, I think, I think that is, I mean, I, I found the second movie is a little bit different and I have a whole different like rules in the second movie I think are not, are like wishy-washy, but um, the first, I think, is a lot about, like, how traumatic it is on the body. So, like, if she'd been stabbed in the heart, it might be far more traumatic than if she was stabbed in the gut. Hmm. 
you know, I think that the rules in this one were fairly consistent. Okay. You know, um, she falls off a roof. That's far more body shattering than yeah. if her neck was broken. Yeah. Okay. So she then like, after she finds out that she, her body's in trouble and like, she knows that she's still in danger. She goes to try to escape from the hospital and she like evades Gregory trying to keep her in the bed by acting all girly and being like, will you go get me a soda? <laughs> <laughs> Which he does look kind of weird about, but he like, he's like also like, okay. Yeah. He goes to get the soda. She gets out of there. At first she thinks Gregory's the killer. Cause she goes to his desk and sees a baby mask in there. But like, you don't even really get time to suspect Gregory because he is then killed it right in front of her. Right. Yeah. And um, I actually feel is, is kind of a sadness because it would have been nice to like think Gregory was a killer a bit longer. Yeah, I do. I 100% agree with that. She gets his car keys, though, out of his desk. And then she goes to the parking garage and she has to basically outrun the killer and hide from the killer in the parking garage long enough to get the car, which very smart. I like that she's being shown being very smart and, yeah. you know, dynamic. And she actually fucking gets away. Yeah, she get yeah she gets in the car. She gets away, and then only to be pulled over by the cops for speeding. This is probably my favorite death scene. You know, we have yeah. we all we all have favorite death scenes. Yeah, this whole section is probably my favorite death because I I did not see most of this coming. Cool. I didn't yeah. see her getting away. I don't I don't see this whole section happening. Yeah. So like yeah, the cop pulls her over, and like she's like, you got to be kidding me. But then she like realizes, Oh, if I get arrested, I'll be in jail and I can probably avoid the killer in jail is her logic. But, um, somehow though, like after she's handcuffed, handcuffed and put in the back of the car, the killer somehow shows up like what, like in a car, another car or something. Yeah. Com- guess- comes in another car has chased her down has shown yeah. up in another effing car. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like- kills the cop, like runs into the cop in an epic death epic death yeah like there's how did the gas get there there's like gas leaking from somewhere i don't remember the the gas is coming from when when um hits the car hits the the cop car right hits the cop car that she's in and then like epic epic cop death and then like you (laughs) so i'm gonna help you show tell the rest of this part because it's important Okay, sure. So, like, there's the gas leaking, and then the killer goes back and gets, like, a birthday candle, like, a single birthday candle, lights it, drops it into the puddle of gas, and the car that Tree is locked in the back of in handcuffs goes up in flames. And death. Probably the most impressive stunt and death in the movie. I agree with that. Yes, yes. And this is, so this is the scene that I know that I'm 100% right on how the death is happening. Okay. Okay, you can t- you can spoil it now. You can spoil okay. it. It's okay. So the birthday candle. Where where is the birth? Where's the other place that we've seen birthday candles? You go ahead and tell. We're in the cupcakes. In the yep. cupcakes. This is the only other place we've seen birthday candles. Is in the in the cupcakes. And who gave the cupcakes? Her her crazy roommate Lori, who also also with journals, which is why she's clearly the killer. That's a, I never even noticed that she journaled. Like that totally just like escaped me. It's totally normal. Yeah, me. She's, she's, I write she's in a notebook journaler. every day. I'm not a killer. All, but no, it's because she's journaling. She's journaling when she walks in and all she's got to journal about is how much she wants to kill this chick. That's yeah. clearly why she's done it. She's not a very smart killer. You shouldn't leave evidence like that. Yeah, but that's why she's going to do it. Like her journal is going to be like something like, I hate my roommate. I hope she dies because, you know, I want to have sex with Gregory. 
Yeah. So this like birthday candle is like your piece of evidence where you're like, yes, a hundred percent. Okay. Well, that's when I was pretty sure. So also there's so much scenes about like the, the, which you have left out, but like so many conversations about the, the cupcake in general and the different use of the cupcake that I'm like, ah, this is why. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So there are, like, I did leave them out. That's right. There are, cause and I didn't so, want to spoil so things pivotal. really. They're so pivotal. Yeah, but I didn't want to spoil things by talking about the cupcake because, like, the listeners would be like, oh, why does she keep talking about that cupcake? But, yeah, like, there, there's a scene where she, like, says that she doesn't eat the cupcake because too many carbs. There's a scene yep. where she, like, and then she, like, dumps it on the floor. There's yeah, one where she just – Because the cupcake keeps changing and she never takes the cupcake. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh, you know it's that cupcake that's going to kill her, right? Yeah. And, and then, then – wh- I want to tell the other cupcakes, though, too. Like, there's one where she – there's one where she just like leaves it behind because she's late to class. And there's one where she's about to eat it. The one where she gets killed in her room, she's about to eat it. And then she notices there's a problem with the remote. And yep. yeah, I don't remember the other stuff that happens with the cupcake at that point. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she's she's pretty bitchy about this cupcake. But also, I can't believe that Lori would try to kill her with a cupcake. Because for for reals, what do we know about like the eating of, of sugar in this in this place in that in that crazy sorority house? Yeah, she should have yeah. made her a smoothie for real. She should have just oh. made her a smoothie. Dude. I mean, no cupcakes. Smoothies, bitch. That's Smoothie. smart. That's yeah. smart. Yeah. For yeah. real. She, I, I'm like, I think Lori was somewhat like, I don't really want you to die. But also, if you eat this cupcake, you're going to die. Okay. Also, what happened to the rest of the batch of poisoned cupcakes? Because you don't just like make <laughs> one cupcake. Like, seriously. She, she's like, I only made one with Belladonna. The rest of them I ate myself and then threw up in the bathroom. That's why I was in the bathroom for so long waiting. <laughs> Okay. Other than the throwing up make no- making noise, I would give that to you. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Poor Lori. Poor, poor Lori. She is not right in the head. Yeah. Okay. So we've given away the ending. So like, but we're going to still talk about the movie. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So that that is the point that first of all, it's one of the most epic death scenes right there. It's my favorite. And it's when I realized I am 100% correct with my with my vision of what's happening. And I know that it is the cupcake that is killing her. Nice. Very Because well of done. the candle. Okay, so then we get to loop eight, at least. And I call this the all out of fucks loop for retreat. <laughs> it is truly the all out of fucks loop. It's true. And I love like she wakes up and like Carter starts to talk and she goes, silence. <laughs> She's just so angry. She's like, I'm so fucking sick of this shit. <laughs> and um, she just doesn't even want to talk to Carter. She's not engaging him. She just makes some reference to living the same day over again, but like it's a throwaway reference and she leaves the room, but Carter follows her. Like somehow he's intrigued by her. I found it a little unbelievable that he would follow her, although she is wearing his shirt, but you know, also, I don't know. You know she is hot and he did want that fine vagine. Like we, we have really vagine, it rhymes. He does want that fine vagine. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why you keep saying vagine, man. It doesn't rhyme. It's because that's how it is. <laughs> All right, but, but even the roommate doesn't say it that way. Okay, never mind. Fine. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go, lest you try to kill me with a smoothie at some point in the future. <laughs> so she, they're at the quad at that right. point, and like he follows her to the quad, and like he doesn't really believe her story. But then she takes him across the quad, which would be the easiest way to prove her story, and predicts everything that's going to happen on the quad. And she's like, um, I think she predicts the sprinklers, the guy fainting, the car alarm, etc. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, I see. And then they go to this place, Corky's, where, which you said you you know. Yeah. Like, so um, I I my I lived in Los Angeles in Van Nuys, and Corky's was directly across the street from where I from where I lived, and it is a movie hotspot. People film there all the time. During the pandemic, they had to close it down, sadly. So now it's just a boarded up, sad restaurant where. That's sad. You know, 
I know it's really sad. There's so many places that closed up in Los Angeles, but it is a very cool looking restaurant and it does look exactly like that inside. It's very cool. It's like closed for good. I mean, it, I mean, it could, somebody could, you know, resurrect it, but it's been closed for the entire, you know, the entire time. So it's been almost two years now that it's been closed, boarded up and, you know, lots of graffiti all over it. It also has a really rundown bar, right? Like attached Mm. to it that they've, they shot a lot of Sons of Anarchy. In. Hmm. But it, it's a very cool restaurant. The whole front is all glass. It's, I mean, it's a really cool, like fifties looking diner. It's very cool. Yeah. But, so like uh, Tree, Tree and Carter at Corky's in this scene, and she is like the no fucks given. She's just burping in front of him, and then he farts. notes, he comments on that, and then she's like, "Oh, wait until you see this," and then she farts in front of him. <laughs> and like, and she's, it's so she's good. like, and she's like, "You won't remember it anyway." <laughs> it's so good. You're like, who wrote this? It's magic. <laughs> And he just he's just sitting there like, I can't believe this is even happening. Yep, basically. And then her, her dad calls her her and she he sees that her dad is calling her and she ignores the call and he's like kind of trying to find out why. And so this is the first time that like Tree is opening up to somebody about her mom's death, which was apparently right. three years ago, and they shared the same birthday. So it's like the, her birthday's a really hard day for her, and now we kind of finally know why she doesn't want to celebrate her birthday, etc. Yeah. And I thought thought that this is really well done is instead of we have like a bunch of experts, usually like a film like this, we've had a bunch of exposition already about her mom's birthday. And this might, you know, and this is why she's so sad and she doesn't want to like celebrate it, et cetera. Like that first scene with Lori, Lori would have said something like, I know you don't like to celebrate your birthday because of your mom. It's so good that we have all of this payoff here. A hundred percent. You're totally right about that. Yeah. hundred percent. I really appreciate that. It's just so much better writing than usual. Yeah, that is so good. Yeah, I don't think I've written that well yet. I have to like learn that skill. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was, I, I appreciated. I appreciated the like the the un, the unfolding of Tree and what's going on with her life. So she's they're talking about that stuff, and then Tree tells Carter that her mom wouldn't be proud of her because she is just turned into kind of a bad person. So she's kind of having her self realization moment now. And mm-hmm. I like this line says, when you relive the same day over and over again, you kind of start to see who you really are. So mm-hmm. I like that. And I like Carter's response to her, which is it's never too late to change. Each new day is a chance to be somebody better. So it kind of distills Carter's personality right there. Yeah. And so then you get the classic um, hearing about a killer on the television set trope Um, we see a news reporter talking about john tombs who killed all these women like is currently in the hospital the same hospital where gregory's office is for some reason and where her roommate we didn't mention before her roommate Lori works at that hospital and is pulling a double shift and tree realizes like oh that's the killer so she runs over to the hospital and like she at the hospital, i can't remember exactly how she like encounters him there but I don't, and this is this is also a point where I want to say, did somebody have like a is somebody else a fan of the of the X File? Because now we have a Carter, we have a Tombs, and we've had a couple other people who are just names from X Files. So really, yeah, like I, I didn't literally watched this and I was I was like, hmm, I wonder if there's like a X File fan writing in the writing here. All right, keep know. going. Oh yeah. Anyway, so like in some way she runs into Tombs. Um, and she's in the middle of like a fight with him, which she's kind of losing at the moment, I think. But Carter shows up out of nowhere, knocks Tombs over. And like, but then Carter's getting kind of beaten up by Tombs. And she's mm-hmm. trying to shoot 
tombs. But I think like this is the point where she doesn't understand about the safety on the gun or something like that. Yeah, which she, I, which, which I, I think she stole from the cop, which makes no sense to me. But and I thought this was fine because honestly, like if if I had never shot a gun before, I wouldn't understand a safety. So I was that, like fine with this. this that is part reality. I'm fine. That part I'm fine with. The part where she yeah. like thinks that the best thing she can do is steal a cop a gun from a cop was confusing to me. But anyway, I, mean, I would. I, t- I okay. still cop a gun. Like, remember, she's going to live this day over again, maybe. And if she doesn't, she's just like, fuck. Ready? This is the give no fucks day. Yeah. Yeah. Gives no fucks. Anyway, I would have, I would have like set off the fire alarm or something, to be honest, and like taken the axe as my weapon. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, all, we all make choices on how we're going to live our give no fucks day. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so she's about to like try to shoot Tombs, but he snaps Carter's neck right in front of her. Very brutal. Like yeah. Carter, yeah. And um then like later she's having this like chase scene with Tombs and she gets an opportunity to kill him, the killer. But at that moment she realizes that if she resets this day, Carter will be dead. Yeah. And and she and this is a big this is the turning point for her character. This is when she decides she's going to do something better and be selfless. She decides to kill herself rather than, and and like continue the time loop rather than risk Carter. And she, I love this scene because she goes up to that clock tower and there's this beautiful yep. clock in back of her, and she hangs herself. Yep. And like the killer just seems like totally like he's enjoying this. Like, I'm like, wouldn't the killer be like super confused? I mean, but he's crazy, right? He's super crazy. So he's like, yeah, this sounds great. Go kill yourself. But he's just like smiling. It's like, didn't he want to kill her? Like, I don't. <laughs> Listen, I, understanding killers makes no sense anyway. Okay. Their okay. brains are already wired all messed up. Okay. <laughs> Did you want to say any more about that whole loop? No, I also think that it's just like, it's also very, um, this, this, it's just, it's a really beautifully shot scene and it's, it's very like anime-esque. You know, she like, she like drops down. It's all this, it's, it, it, you know, it's, she drops down. There's all this stained glass. It's very beautiful, you know? Yeah. It's very it well shot. It feels very the crow. It feels very the crow. Okay, and then we're we're gonna loop again, but I'm gonna I have a clip of this loop. So um, this is the normal waking up and quad scene. So some parts of it you won't be able to like hear what's going on. We'll talk about what happened there afterward. But this is her waking up after sacrificing herself for Carter. Oh, hey, you're up. Hi, I wasn't sure. I can't believe you tried to save my life. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, no biggie. I just brought you home. Uh, I don't know if you remember my name. Carter. Yeah. Oh! Do you mind if I borrow this? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. See you at lunch. Bomb vagina, what? You naughty, naughty boy! Bomb vagina! What just happened? Yo! 
know you're back there. Hey, Tim. Hey. Hi. Uh, you haven't returned any of my texts. Look, Tim, let's get real. I know you don't like girls. Stop trying to be someone you're not. Love is love, right? Now you go out there and get yourself a fine piece of man ass. Oh my god. You sneaky little biatch. His name's Carter. No, we did not have sex. But if I finally make it through this day somehow, I'm gonna have his babies. Let's do. Gotta go. <laughs> I love that scene. It's so good. I love that scene so much. I smile and like it's like the whole music, like I guess the song is Love Stuck by Mother Mother. Like the pop music that's in the movie, like this with the montage and this one, it just like offsets like the gloomy parts of the movie so well. It's just such yeah. the, the tonal shifts are done so well in this movie. Some of the things you didn't see because it was an audio clip, obviously. She hugs Carter at the beginning when she wakes up. She spanks Ryan when she says naughty, naughty boy. She throws out her heels when she leaves the the quad. When she gets onto the quad, she just throws her heels off. Um, she brings she borrows a pillow from Carter to put down for the guy who faints every time. And then after talking to Tim, she does this like cute little skip. She's like barefoot and she just skips away like she's like some kind of like happy fairy or a little kid or something, which is so I love I loved like her whole attitude in this scene. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like you can see that there's a total shift. There's a there's a shift in like her attitude, whatever. Like she's fallen in love, and she's made the decision yes. that like she made the decision that he was there for her at a time that she you know she didn't expect anyone to be for, there for her, and then she's gonna reset the loop, and they're gonna be together forever, even though you know he doesn't even know that she exists. Yeah, this is like a full on shift to rom com here. This is like the totally. scene you see in a rom com the day after somebody's realized they are in love, or the moment someone realizes that. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And it's very much also like the Groundhog Day sequence where Phil like goes around and like like does everything nice for the people, like rescues the kid who's falling from the tree or whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, like, later in the day, she also apologizes to Lori, which I wonder, like, if there's any universe in which she could have made a good enough apology that Lori wouldn't have tried to kill her. Not in this one, apparently. Ready, ready. I was going to say, not in this one, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, um, then she goes and breaks up with Gregory. And then there's a great scene where, like, the girl who gets, like, food shamed at the house meeting, um, Tree shows up with this like plate full of food. That's where the French fries comes in. She shows up with a plate of much more junky food than what her sorority sister has. And she starts slamming the fries into her mouth. And then like when Danielle starts commenting on it, she takes the chocolate milk from Becky's um, plate tray and she goes over and just fully dumps it on Danielle's head. And the sorority sisters are like somehow like all into this, like the whole time they'd just been like sitting in silence or something, just enduring her. Well, sorority sisters, they like to follow. I guess. Yeah. And then Carter comes over and she just kisses him, like, which is probably a huge surprise to Carter. Yeah. He's like, oh, my God, why was I just mouth raped? But OK. No, he liked it. He didn't feel like he was mouth raped. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's like, I don't understand what's going on, but all right, this is fine, I guess. Like that part was a little weird to me because he should have been he should have been like, what's even happening right now? But OK, hot girls kissing me. Fine. Yeah. 
Maybe like he just thinks that she remembered much more about the previous night and like how, you know, like how nice he was to like take her home from the party or something. Who knows? Okay. So we then move on to, she makes a date with Carter for later and she goes and leaves to see her dad. Finally, we get to meet her dad and he's like waiting at this um, fancy restaurant and she shows up. Sorry, I'm late. She basically breaks it down for him. Like, Hey dad, like I've been avoiding you because I thought if I avoided you, I wouldn't have to think about mom. And I relate to that. Like I didn't do exactly that, but like I, my mom, I lost my mom at around little older than tree was in this movie, you know? And like, there was definitely a period of time where I think I was trying to run away from that and like be with my friends instead of with my family and just kind of like forget that that had happened. So that really resonated with me. I thought it really made sense that that's what tree, how tree would behave. Yeah. Yeah. I I did too. And once again, I really like how the the kind of building of Tree's character happens. And like, this is kind of a penultimate moment for Tree where we understand so much more about Tree, how her relationship is with her dad, you know, her, her, when you realize that her mom is dead and that the reason why she hasn't wanted to be with, talk to her dad is not because she's just a bitch. It's because like, seeing her dad is like bringing up all these memories and these feelings for her. And you're like, Oh, I feel so much for you. And so like this encapsulates who tree is as a person. And she becomes this fully well-rounded person. And you suddenly realize that all people are like this, that everyone has stories that you don't understand. And that they're probably not just bitches. They're probably just a person that you don't get. Here. Sure. Maybe, maybe Lori though. No, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, I mean, Lori, Lori's crazy for a reason. Lori's yeah. crazy for a reason. So yeah, you, you just finally get to see the dad and like, um, yeah. And I'm not going to spoil too much, but you do get to see more stuff about her family dynamic in the next movie too, which even deepens that story more. Yeah. So yeah. And then she, she thinks she's got it all sorted. So she goes back to the hospital. She does her whole plan to like uh, kill tombs. She succeeds in killing tombs. And then you see this film that is like a complete, it has to be a visual reference to 16 Candles. Yes, it is 100% a call out to 16 Candles. 100%. Yeah, you see them like Carter and Tree sitting cross-legged across like the lit cupcake between them. And like, and then, and then he says, make a wish. And it was such a visual reference. I almost expected her to say it already came true. I know. Like I, I was sad that she didn't like, I was like, why did we not do this? Like, you're already here. Finish the job. Yeah. 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 But instead she says like what she wishes for tomorrow or something. Yeah. And I'm like, come on. (laughs) Anyway, they visually reference 16 candles and they go to kiss and whatever. Or did they go to kiss? Maybe I think they kiss. But then you see Tree about to eat the cupcake. You see Tree about to eat the cupcake and time loop. (laughs) And so you were were expecting this, right? I a hundred. I like literally stood up and was like, yes, I'm a hundred percent validated. Yay. (laughs) Yep. And it's very, it's very evocative too. It's like the poison apple from Snow White. It's just like this, yeah. it's another fairy tale element that she's. Well, it's this, a sli- this is very cupcake. Sleeping Beauty as well. Like oh. it's very Sleeping Beauty. Like right, she's like she needs to be. She she's constantly woken up, although not by a kiss from the dude, but like he's always there. Hmm. Okay, so she wakes up again. She's very freaked out. She doesn't have time for Carter this time. She just runs away, goes back to the sorority house, and starts packing, which I would have done this several loops ago, personally. <laughs> I, I, I did I did the same. I was like, wow, this is taking you a long time to get here. Okay. 
I yeah, I would have gotten out of Dodge real fast. I would have gotten in a plane somewhere else. Like, what are the chances someone's gonna fucking kill me if I get like all the way to like some other country, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, what would happen in that event? I don't know. But I, um, I would have definitely gotten my passport and just been like, peace out, bro. Yeah. I mean, even another city. You could just pick some random city that nobody would go to. Like yeah, tell no one, just get out of Dodge. Exactly. Well, anyway, she starts packing like she's gonna go away. And Lori, Lori does her best to try to give her the cupcake again. And I have a clip of this. I might end up cutting some of it out later because it's pretty long. But I have a clip of the encounter with Lori. Happy birthday. Thanks. But I already ate it last night. Oh, my God. I died in my sleep. What? You poisoned it. But I never ate it before. So you had to find another way. And then tombs fell right into your lap. Perfect scapegoat. You had access to him. Did you drug him first? You knew that if he escaped, everyone would assume that he killed me. But it was always you. <laughs> Is this a joke? You think I would actually try to poison you with a freaking cupcake? Okay, then. Prove it. Go on, Lori. Take a bite. Go on, Lori. You really are crazy. Okay, then. I'll take it down to the police. I'm sure they can tell us what your little birthday treat is made of. little whore. I know I've been a bad roommate, but isn't this a bit much? What the hell? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because you wouldn't stop sleeping with him. But... Gregory? They just kept choosing you over me. Guess all he wanted was a cheap slut like you. Wait, you've been killing me over some stupid guy? Oh, that's not the only reason. You're a dumb bitch, too! But what I really want to know is... How did you figure it out? Because you've killed me before! <laughs> then I guess I'm just gonna have to do it again. <laughs> I, left, I, left, I left it so long just because I love her line. You've killed me before. <laughs> then I guess I'm just gonna have to do it again. <laughs> like, it's such a good line. That's how it is, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just like, yeah. So when originally when, she, so this is what happens. Originally when she loops and tomb and like tombs is a killer, I was like, I can't believe tombs is a killer. This is such bullshit. And then when she wakes up and she, and like, 
and she wakes up again from another tomb from another time loop. I was like, yes, I was so happy because I was like, I felt so sad that it wasn't Lori and that I was wrong. And that like all of these clues and stuff that were left there, I felt it was just like a big letdown. And so when it was finally Lori, I was like, hells yes. I've never been more excited that Lori is the killer. You were vindicated. Well, and also like, it's nice to have a female killer. It's nice to have like something different. And I was sad that she was killing her over, obviously, Gregory, which, I mean, there were all these clues that it was Gregory that she was doing it for. Yeah. Some lame, stupid guy who's maybe a professor, kind of a surgeon or something. Nobody understands. <laughs> he's like a surgeon. <laughs> yeah, maybe something. We don't really understand him. and He's not that good looking. But, like, at least there was a real reason for mm-hmm. it. And she was at least doing it in a clever way. Okay, but, like... For me, like, I found the methods really clunky because, like, the like the cupcake, like you said, they don't eat cupcakes at that sorority. So that, number one, that's not very effective. And then number two, your plan is that you're going to, like, find a random serial killer and, like, what? Like, hope that he goes for tree? Like, we could kill anybody, basically. Or But then she's supposed to, no, okay, yeah, she drugs him and sets him up to kill her, but then she actually kills her. It, it all kind of, like, was a mess to me. I don't know. Did well, it all hold together for think, you well enough? I think originally, I mean, honestly, I think originally she was just going to kill her with a cupcake. Okay. Because she's, and then like Tombs was there and she's like, well, that's convenient. Okay. Well, that'll help. So that's great. Oh yeah. But Tombs was just supposed to be the cover for her to actually go and kill Tree. Yeah. Kill her. her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, still I think a little... that she was going to kill her regardless. Like she, she had multiple yeah. plans of action to kill this. Like yeah. she's like, Tree's going to die. Yeah. But I'm telling you, if she had just fucking gotten on a plane to like, I don't know, the Bahamas, that shit wouldn't have happened. If she had just gone to Kentucky, then it would have been Yeah, fine. Kentucky, like um, Nebraska, what? Like Wyoming, like yeah, pretty- any anywhere that wasn't there. Yeah. It, it would have been fine. Yeah. I mean, poor, poor Lori was also just crazy psycho. I mean, you should never like a guy that much, especially no. a guy who's married. No, never. You should never like a guy that much not to kill people. No, for sure. Right. Also, you could have just probably sat down with Tree and been like, hey, I really like this guy. Could you not ha- keep having sex with him? Yeah. I mean, old Tree might not have listened, though, as we saw. She was Maybe trying to not, go after. She might have also just been like, yeah, all right. She was trying to go after Nick from the Pleasure Dome, though, despite Danielle liking him. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Nick has Nick has such a fun role in the second movie, too. I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy yeah. Nick. I enjoy yeah. Nick very much. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> so, like, do you think the cops would, like, just believe, like, then, like, what happened? Because, like, then what happens, they're in this big fight. And finally, like, um, Tree has the opportunity to kind of shove the cupcake at Lori's mouth. She's, like, trying to get it out of her mouth. She's by the window. And then Tree goes and she gets, like, the chandelier or something and, like, swings yeah. off of it and kicks her out the window. Like, would the cops maybe have some questions about this? I think the cops would have a lot of questions. Because, first of all, you're just, like, cops are going to be, like, so she gave you a poison cupcake. Are you sure you didn't give her a poison cupcake? Exactly. Yeah. Like, who's, maybe- who's poisoning whom, ma'am? Yeah. I hear that you've been acting erratically. Yeah maybe it was in the journal like maybe like well, the journal. That, and that's that's why it comes down to the journal i think that she's been writing in that journal like i'm gonna kill my roommate she yeah. like i hate her so much it probably says die 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 also she does have that card that says i'm gonna kill you and it probably that's has true. Lori's dna all over it and I, I love so like then you see carter and tree like at corky's again i think watching like danielle's tv interview where she's talking about this event and i love danielle's evidence that Lori is a psycho um, she says she never wore makeup. She never she never posted any cute selfies, and she literally owned a pair of Crocs. 
Yes, the Crocs, the best part. <laughs> People who own Crocs are crazy. I don't know. I haven't met them. <laughs> anyway, is that your personal belief or Danielle's belief? I mean, I'm pretty sure anyone's belief should be if you own a pair of Crocs, you're pretty much crazy. Okay, so you come down with Danielle on that. I have no I'm opinion. Full, I'm fully on the side of Danielle with this. Okay, okay. <laughs> Especially if you, you live in a sorority. So if you're in a sorority and you have Crocs, crazy. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's Danielle's evidence. And um, you see Carter and Tree just happily watching this uh, thing. And then we go to a next day fake out time loop. So she's in Carter's dorm room again. Um, and then she wakes up and like Carter says like the same thing to her that he says like every time she wakes up. I would not do that to someone. <laughs> and then remember, he hasn't lived through all of them. Yeah, for him, he doesn't know. He's just like, for him, he, he might not even 100% believe she's in a time loop. But like, he how would he then like- remember what he said, too? I don't know. It's funny, though. <laughs> it, it's a good effect for the movie, because that's what usually happens at the end of the horror movie. Usually at the end of the horror movie, the horror continues, right? Right. Yeah. So this no, is that I, would der- totally, I would have totally punked her just like this. So this is like a nod to that tradition in the horror genre, I think. And then like she finds out that he's just, you know, joking and then they kind of like playfully fight and then they make out. And then um, Ryan comes in again and like he's like, oh, I'm tired of sleeping in my car. It smells like hot pockets and feet. And then just they just kick him out. And yeah, right. and that's the end of the movie. And I'm, I'm down with this movie. I'm, I'm happy about it. I'm, yeah. I'm happy about this movie, too. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, I watched it a second time to make sure that I could, you know, pay attention to all the loops. And then I, I caught all the stuff that I needed to catch. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it the second time back to back. Nice. Nice. So really quick, um, what's one or two favorite scenes for you? Um, the Pleasure Dome scene is like is <laughs> literally one of my favorite scenes. Um, I, I could watch that scene over and over again. On loop. It's just so freaking funny to me. Um, I would love to see it recut with different songs attached to it. Like yeah. Xanadu would be a great one. I could watch that with Xanadu. Do you think <laughs> it's, it's the actor who's playing Nick, which I unfortunately yes. don't have his name. Yeah. 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 No, he is just so funny. And that scene also just the, the, the level of that, the, the dichotomy of the fact that like you're about to be murdered, but also there's just so much, there's just so much fun happening right there. Yeah. Pleasure Dome and anything else that's like the Pleasure Dome. And um, I also, I really do love the scene where the, you know, the um, cop gets killed that those are my t- probably two favorite scenes. And oh, mostly, it's, uh, mostly the burning just cop car, bur- burning cop car, just because that is an epic kill this is an yeah. epic kill. That's true. I think for me, like I'm for, in this movie, I'm a montage fan. Like, well, not I'm a mon- the fan of the montage where she's like crossing off the suspects. Mm-hmm. I think it's because of the pop music. Because the other scene I really like is also with pop music. So I don't yeah. know. I'm really loving the pop music scenes in this movie, and well, like the second one where she's doing all the nice things to everybody. And it's got that really upbeat feel. I also do, I do like when you talk about the Pleasure Dome. I'm like, oh yeah, I did really find that funny when I think about it. Yeah, the use of music in this film was very well done. Any, any other examples that you like noticed or just those two? Or- no, not particularly, but I just, I just know that like the use of music was, was good because like a lot of times, like you'd be like, you'd be scared at like the right parts, but it was never like so scary that you're like, Oh no. And then parts that were funny were extra funny because the music that was being used was, yeah. was good music. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I just, yeah, I don't know what this, but it's kind of when the music doesn't need to stick out per se, you know, like it's, if it's, if it's doing the thing it's doing, then you shouldn't notice it necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. 
so really quick, what would, like if you were caught in this particular movie's plot, how do you think you would have handled things? Like same as tree, different as tree? God, no, I would have like gotten how to dodge. Like I literally would have been like, I would have been in this loop twice, been like, um, yeah, I gotta leave. I'm do you think it's here. do you think it's possible to end the loop without killing the killer though? Do you think like that would be like you would still be looped even if you weren't killed? What do you think? Um, I don't I don't know, but if even if I was stuck in that loop and I like over and over again, I would rather be in that loop and not be getting killed. Hmm. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, humans have like a strong aversion to death. So yeah, <laughs> like I don't want to be killed. Like I don't need to be getting horribly slashed and killed all the time. Yeah. And then if I decided that I wanted to get killed, I definitely would be like suiting up all the time. Like she never wore like protective gear. And that's stuff. true too. Oh my god. I would have been like so suiting right. up. I would have owned a gun. I would have like gotten a gun. Yeah. You know, like, like why isn't she going to the use a gun? Yeah, she should be at the gun range. She should be like taking karate classes or some shit. Like, yeah, she'd be, my like, mom a karate master. Been, like, guns, knife skills. <laughs> like, I, I would have been doing all of those things instead of like you know talking to people. I've been like, and now I'm a badass. I would have been yeah. like Terminator, Terminator style, like you yeah. know Sarah Connor. I'm with you on that. Like, yeah, I could see either like going to spas like far away to chill out, and or becoming a fucking assassin, basically. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that that would have been my like every day. I'm like, and now I get my passport and I leave. Yeah, and now I do this and I go. Um, also, I could have just been like, I would just kill everybody in my life. I'd be like, and <gasps> let's see who dies. So today, Lori dies. Tomorrow, this person dies. Tomorrow, <laughs> wait, but oh, 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 one by one. Okay, I thought you meant all yeah. at once because then they no, all just be one dead. person at a time. <laughs> okay, so like after, <laughs> like just see what happens. Yeah, just. But no, I definitely would have geared up better. Like if yeah. I if I wasn't just getting out of dodge. I knew you'd have some good plans, so that's why I asked you. <laughs> okay, so um like I had a lot of stuff to say about Happy Death Day as a feminist horror film. I'm going to try yeah. to keep it short. Um yeah. but like one thing like when I was doing my ha- feminist horror film list like last year, um I was really thinking about what does it mean to make quote unquote feminist horror. And I kept like encountering all these listicles of like feminist horror films online. And like a lot of them, I was just like, that doesn't seem very feminist to me. That doesn't seem very feminist. And I couldn't hundred percent put my finger on why until I read this like really cool blog entry by the director, Anna Biller, who directed the love witch, which if I can find the right co-host, I will be doing this month. Um, and it's, she's an, she's an amazing filmmaker. Anyway, she wrote this great blog article called Let's Stop Calling Movies Feminist. And she has really stringent, like, you know, for her, it's pretty stringent what you have to achieve to call a movie feminist. Like, she likes to point out that feminism is actually like a political movement. And the movie shouldn't just be like, oh, women are good. It should be doing something a little more than that. So I don't think I'm as stringent as she is, but I respect that she has that, you know, qualification. But she yeah. also, she, The Love Witch is kind of like a dark comedy slash horror slash romance. And mm. so she has opinions on horror. And I like what she said about horror, like here, quote, for me, one key to deciding whether or not violence in a movie is making a political statement is to ask not if we identify with the survivors, but to ask how we feel about the victims. So she's talking about this Dario Argento film here. She says, in Blood and Black Lace, 1964, how do we feel about the young, beautiful models who are being dragged by the hair across the ground? Do we feel sorry for them? Or do we feel excited by the way the print processes make the red blood and the crushed blacks of the shadows pop next to their beautiful white skin? And I was Hmm. like, yeah. Like so many horror movies, like the victims, like you may feel sorry for them. You may, you know, care about them on some level, but you're also being like titillated by this blood and gore, which is something like I love that this movie did not do. 
right? Right. Tree's death is never made to look beautiful or like it's even comic sometimes. She's just kind of looking down at herself like, huh? Like, what is this? Like, I can't believe this happened again. Like, it's not being like, you know, used as something to make people excited per se. Right. And then, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like blood porn. Yeah. And then another question that Biller asks in the same essay, she says, are the female characters in it living in a meaningfully realistic world of gendered politics? Are men in it implicated for their violence or for their unthinking privilege that they benefit from at the expense of women? And most importantly, do audiences viewing it suddenly understand how the world looks from the interior of a specifically female consciousness? Mm. End quote. And while that's pretty lofty, like I don't think Happy Death Day achieves all of that. I do think the tree's consciousness. Yeah, her viewpoint is really central. Like, and it's like explored, like we mentioned with her dad and her evolution as a character. So like, I don't think Anna Biller would call this a feminist horror film, but it's good enough for me to call it a feminist horror film. And I really recommend reading that essay. I'm putting a link to it in the show notes. It's like really, if you're, especially if you're like a film nerd and care about like feminism, like it's really interesting. Anyway, good points. All really good points. I will definitely take a look at that. That sounds fantastic. Especially for somebody like I don't really watch horror, but I mean, all of those are valid points for any film. Because one of the hardest things for women in film in general is actually to be considered important in any in any way. Even if you're a central character as a female, a lot of times it it's you're not important anyways, even beyond the Becknell test you know yeah the Bechdel test yeah yeah you're not you're you're still not that important you don't yeah you know you don't you don't really have an important central role beyond you know like I'm I'm falling in love so yeah you're important to the fact that but I'm falling in love that's all that's important yeah tree is layered she has different relationships she has like a, a central conflict in her personality she has to deal with yeah there's a lot going on so I love that yeah yeah interesting okay cool I love it too And another thing about feminist horror really quick that Anna Biller also addressed in like a tweet. Um, So the final girl trope in horror, there's like a lot of scholarship on like how this is like a feminist thing. It's really complicated though, because like it's, it's, you don't even want to read these essays about the final girl being like feminist because they go into all this Freudian analysis shit where it's like, when the woman takes the knife, she has reclaimed the phallic symbol. And I'm like, what exactly is the woman supposed to kill with? Like every weapon points out in some way, right? Like what? She's supposed to kill with a vagina shaped weapon. Like what's that going to look like? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I'm going to go around carrying a cup and throw some acid at you. I guess that might work. I mean, that's why women use poison, right? But then we're considered weak. (laughs) Anyway, like the final girl academic scholarship is really weird to me. Like, but a lot of people build on this, like, like Carol Clover's final girl theory. And they're like, yes, the final girl is automatically feminist, blah, blah, blah. But like Anna Biller says about it, quote, unpopular opinion. The final girl is not there in most cases to celebrate a strong woman. She is there to dispel male voyeuristic guilt at the pleasure of watching eight other disposable women be violently killed. And so we can call this entertainment progressive. And that was a tweet she she wrote in 2018. Ooh. Yeah, she's take that in. Damn, she's taken no prisoners. <laughs> yeah, love that. Damn, that's so true. But that's another great thing about Happy Death Day. We don't have disposable women in this movie. We we no. have like this one victim who's learning every time how to like do better in her life. And grow. yeah, her death her death is her her death is her arc. Like because she is dying over and over again, she is learning as she goes along. You know, it's her. It's almost like she is reborn. She's not yeah. actually dying. She's reborn. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, I totally yeah. dig that too. 
And even when they show nudity, they're not showing the nudity. They're showing her taking pleasure in her nudity. That's but correct. not in it. Yeah, it's it's so good. That's so good. Okay. Very, I'm very like cute. once again, thank you for making this movie a very different film. Yeah. So like um and other things just to notice about the movie being feminist. I mean, like we said, Tree's very rounded, she drives the plot, she's intelligent. Um, although she should have gotten out of town, but whatever. And I like <laughs> she's a final girl without being a virgin or admirable. And let's see, there's other women shown. Like you were pointing out, there's a lot of women in this movie, just mm-hmm. in different roles. Like they yeah, might not have a all- ton of women. There are more women in this film than there are men. Huh. You're probably right. There are. It's it's an it's unusual, but there are more women than men. More women with speaking roles anyway. I think yes. there might like there there might be in the background, there might be who knows. Yes, in the background or whatever, but more like main characters. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it passes the Bechdel test. They like there's conversations, like they're not always talking about highbrow things, but they're not always talking about guys either. So right. they might be talking about food, but they're yeah. not talking about dudes. <laughs> and another thing, like some horror movies, some slashers, you're rooting for the killer. And a lot of cases it's because these these franchises where there's like a million Freddy movies, a million Jason movies. And you don't know the other people. So you're just like, go Jason, like kill some more people that we don't care about. <laughs> not at all the case in this one. No, you're just rooting for the victim to figure out who's killing her. And there were a few feminist messages. There's messages against body shaming, against food shaming. I think that that was a reference to rape in the frat house. I still do okay. like that the frat guy was ignoring her rape. And um, and she calls out Ryan for saying fine vagina at one point where she says, you're going to have a good relationship with your hand if you keep referring to women that way. Right. And, yeah. And you, what else? Do you have anything else you want to point out? Yeah. About- I mean, you also have like the... Com- like conversation with her parents so she actually has a good relationship with her mother whereas a lot of times people like girls don't have good relationships with their mother like she has a good relationship with her mom and her and she does actually have a good relationship with her dad you just didn't realize it yeah. because she was at she was at a like a low point with her father but she actually had a good relationship with her dad until her mom passed away yeah and yeah there's just a lot of feminist things going on here so i'm sure it doesn't pass anna biller's very stringent test but like i really appreciate what she brings to the discussion of feminist horror and it passes my happy death day definitely passes my test it was on my list last year of feminist horror films so Mm -hmm. yeah if you have any listeners if you have feminist horror films rom-com element or not that you'd like to recommend please send in your recommendations because i'd really like to watch them to feedback at every romcom.com yeah right on so the sequel to this movie, Happy Death Day to You, spelled number two and letter U, um, it's like more sci. It goes more sci-fi, more comedy, and more romance, and more family drama, and less slasher. But there is still a slasher element to it. Um, and instead of dealing with a time loop, we're dealing with alternate timelines. And this yeah. is before Loki, so like, it's not like this movie invented alternate timelines. But I think they're a big thing right now. And and this movie preceded the it becoming a big thing. Um, and yeah, like, I think the time Lee pointed out when we were watching it, that, that having the alternate timelines, like reintroduces suspense to the plot because you can no longer be certain who's the killer. Right. And you don't know who the killer is also like, are what, like, what's actually like, what's happening. You you don't know like what is real and what's not real. What's, you know, you, you have this unknown and what's interesting is, you know, every loop that she has that, you know, is going on again. You don't know what is going to be re like, like reborn. Yeah. And there's different stakes that the alternate timeline adds Mm -hmm. to, which I can't really talk about without spoiling it. But like, like, it's it's really, 
it really adds a lot of weight to the plot. And like there's new characters. So you get to meet Ryan's friends who he's working on this science thing with. And they're like cool characters that are added. There's another one of them is a woman too. So there's another mm-hmm. female lead. Yay. And yeah, and, and the cast from this one sticks around and you get to see them in different iterations. I'm sure it was a lot of fun for those characters to play different versions of themselves. Yeah, also really well done considering that it's not filmed at the same time. I think they did a really good job yeah. like recreating again. Like I watched, I was like, wow, this is done so well recreating the first version again. That is so true. I did not think about That is so true. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. incredibly good filmmaking. Yeah. Because it takes place like basically the day, the next day, really. So yeah, <laughs> it just jumps right in. So really recommend that one. Yeah. Okay, so and yeah, that brings us to double feature recommendations, where Happy Death Day to You is my first recommendation for all the reasons I just said. And Lee agreed also, he was watching it with me. He, Sybil, you like it better. I like it better. Lee yeah, liked I do. it better. I like it better. I, but you, it's important to say, Jennifer said this too, you can't enjoy it if you have not seen the first one. You yeah. really cannot. It just builds on the first one, the characters that you've grown to care about, like it builds on them. So yeah, you yeah. really should watch. I like, I think you should watch them back to back. Exactly. You just watch the first one and it's like you watch, you know, you just like hit play and just watch the next one back to back. Enjoy them. That's right. And then if you've watched it already and you want a different double feature, I also recommend watching Scream 2. I mean, provided you've seen Scream 1 again, but like Scream 2 and Happy Death Day both are both like set on a college campus. They both have a really strong like female lead. Um, They're both funny. And I just think they would be a good match together. And then my, my final, like I was going to recommend Groundhog Day, but like, I mean, if you haven't seen it, see it. Okay. Like it's a foundational movie in our cinema. I think. (laughs) Please, please don't be tree. See Groundhog Day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the other one I'm going to recommend though is Disturbia, which Christopher Landon wrote um, with starring Sheila Booth. And it's it's so good. It's so scary. Like, um, I don't know if it would scare you. It's not paranormal. It's like a, a creepy killer kind of thing. So it might, you might be able to watch that one too. If you've seen it, Disturbia? I have not seen this. I haven't seen this. Okay. One more thing I have to say about Disturbia. Okay. This is a random story, but like I used to teach in English in Korea at this academy and I had these middle school students and like one of them was like every day he would fall, he would just fall asleep because he'd had such a long day and like he just was over going to academy. But one day I, I put an assignment of like, please like write about your favorite movie. So this kid like woke up all of a sudden, like he was always sleeping, but this day he woke up and he wrote me like pages and pages and pages about the movie Disturbia. Like he just kept writing and writing at the end of class. I'm like, Oh, that's all right. His name was his English name was Elvis. So I'm like, it's all right, Elvis. Like you wrote enough. Like, it's okay. And he's like, no, no, I have to take it home. I have to tell you the whole story. (laughs) Seriously. And he came back the next day and he had like, he had written me the entire plot of Disturbia. And why he liked he gave it. You a dissertation, dissertation yeah. on dystopia. Yeah, and then like he went back to being completely like really tired all the time. <laughs> but he woke up long enough to tell me how good Disturbia was. Right on. It Disturbia turned out. Life. It turned out later that this poor kid hadn't didn't have like enough food. Like his parents were oh, like wow. not giving him an adequate amount of food. So I started like giving him food, and then he woke up a little more. But like anyway, that's he neither here nor there. But Disturbia impressed this young Korean man. So much, and it, and I really like it too. Very well, rewatchable. Anyway, oh, there you go, <laughs> there you go. Um, so I've never seen Disturbia only because it looked really disturbing, and I yes, was like, yes, it's very dark. I don't, I try not to watch disturbing things. Like, but it's got a, but, in my life. but it's got that Chris, it's got the Christopher Landon touch of like a, a little romance and a little comedy as well. I mean, it is darker for sure than Happy Death Day. 
Well, but... I might, you might have talked me into it. I might have to like go, it's on Hulu right now. So I can always oh, go okay. watch it. So, so what about um, you? I, I'm going to recommend Freaky, which I did watch because Christopher Landon. Um, and although it is not as clever it is, it's got the same kind of thing. It's based on the idea of, you know, the Freaky Friday, you know, switcheroo kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's far gorier. It's not as clever, but it is kind of fun. It, it is fun. And I did enjoy the fact that uh, it is a female character who is got a lot of autonomy. She's, she's kind of badass. So I enjoyed that. And also I found the acting very good altogether. So yeah. I enjoyed that. Um, Triangle. Have you seen Triangle? No, I haven't. So I watched Triangle because it is a it's a loop movie and it was on the list of loops. It is fantastic. I can recommend it highly. It is on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube if you like. And okay. it is this it is the same kind of movie. It was in 2009 and it's the same kind of movie where uh, it looks like a horror but it's really not that horror. -y. So it it's it looks like a horror, but it's really not. Yes, it takes place on a boat, and it's like they've Ooh. got some axes and stuff, but it's it's more um, a thriller. Kind I like of film. a boat. I like a boat. Yeah, and it, it is there. There's some jump scares, but it's more of a thriller. Okay. And but it it's it was really good. I fully enjoyed myself. I did watch it at night, and I was kind of like <laughs> twice. I was like, I need to turn the volume down because I'm just the music is freaking me out. Oh wow! But it, yeah, the music was well done. Where it was like. Oh, and I'm like, okay, I need to just turn that. Music <laughs> a bit. Um, and then Palm Springs, which I fully enjoyed as a kind of looping movie. That's also about romance that has like a, a time tunnel in it. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, and it's I very, very funny. It's also kind of dark. It's kind of a dark comedy at times as well. So I enjoy that as well. I like a dark, darker comedy. Yeah, I did like, okay, I will say I liked about that movie. Some of the choices that the people make to spend their time are interesting. So I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. like watching, like, what would people do? Like, yeah. 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 So for me, I, you know, I liked the fact that so in Palm Springs, you have a, a one person who's been in this time loop for you have two people who've been in the same kind of time loop. And it's how two different people in the same time loop would spend their time. Yeah. And so I, I like that idea of like, how would different people spend their time? And then if you met somebody else in that time loop and you're like, what do you mean? That's how you spent your time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We're See, very different people. I like the map of tiny, perfect things, what they did to that conceit more, but yeah. I, I, like, yeah. I loved that movie. That is one of my favorite movies just because it's also beautiful. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we gave you a lot of double features, people. Like, we're, yeah. We're lots of things. Them. Lots of like, lots of time loop movies. Who knew there were even so many? Yep. <laughs> I don't think they'll stop making them either. So, no. so um, thanks everybody for listening today. And um, I just wanted to encourage everybody. So if you enjoyed the episode or if you enjoyed the podcast in general, um, please come over and give us a rating and review on Apple podcasts. Like we only have one review right now and I, it's lonely and it wants more reviews. So it's not very hard to do. So come over to Apple podcasts, give us a little review, like love to hear your feedback. And stay tuned this October for more in our horror rom-com series. That's right. We've got at least two zombie rom-coms coming at you. Uh, we got Warm Bodies, which you're coming back for, Sybil. Yeah. 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 Just watched it last night. Yeah. And we'll be also doing Little Monsters with uh, Lupita Nyong'o. And then hopefully, if all goes well, I will find someone to do The Love Witch with me because, yes, yes, that I talked about with Miss Anna Biller. Yeah. It's a fantastic movie. So anyway, in the meantime, I hope you're enjoying your day and talk to you later. All right, everyone. Bye. Bye.